And we are back around the old oak table here in downtown Taylor Parkville for episode 68 of Taylor Trash Fly Fishing. We've got a few excused absences this evening due to uh, some family obligations Mm -hmm. and family comes first around here. So those are certainly understood. Mark Jameson, we're thinking about you Um, here at the table tonight. It'll be myself, Carl, Ben, and a listener from all the way back to the after dark days. Crystal Murray is joining us. Hola. Hola. Que tal? I am on vacation. So be nice to me. This is supposed to be fun. We have to talk about fun stuff. All right. I'm here to have fun. So you've brought your van that you outfitted. Gomez. Mm Gomez, that's right. That you've outfitted uh, yourself. Yes. It's a... What is it? It's a, a ProMaster mm-hmm. 1500, a 2017 that we got as a empty cargo van. I drove it across the Skyway in 30 knot winds. Mm-hmm. This is most frightening investment ever. But now it's soundproofed and has a beautiful queen size bed in it. And it's just this little traveling, wonderful little clean hotel room now before before we started recording uh which is where all really truly all the action happens here in the taylor park we're uh, actually pretty interesting crystal was telling us how um her attorney was going to be filing some paperwork uh, and serving paul puckett on some of the design details that he's stolen on Mm -hmm. his Mm -hmm. van build Right. You, That's you wanna, right. You want to jump I into that? I seem that? to remember something about taking trade he, secrets. He's building a van, but mm-hmm. didn't they have a um, a flood tide van that they were traveling to? They had the marsh machine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So they were kind of before me with a van, but we're, but well, that, Puckett is do, is doing one that he's going to actually stay in. Yeah, it's more like Gomez. Yeah. Gomez. Yeah. 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 But he's going to be able to afford. Uh, he's going to be able to design and afford a groovy wrap on it. I have actually, white um, with dirt. So Paul actually, uh, either a story. I think it was a story. Was a story. Um, earlier this week, um, a lot of his illustrations of uh, like Predator holding the tarpon i believe mm-hmm. and then he's got the uh the rojo which is the bull redfish with the horns yeah uh, they're all line drawings black and white right. he has emblazoned the sides and the hood mm-hmm. and the back door with those on his personal van so that's pretty cool. yeah it's pretty cool it, it came off really really pretty nice kind of subtle yet if you know who Paul Puckett is and you were driving down I-75 or I-95 and he went past you, oh my God, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, that's Puckett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. kind of yeah, cool. Definitely yeah, definitely. We'll have to ask him what it's what it's named. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully he's named right. it. I mm-hmm. mean, you would think Paul right. would have yeah. named it. Him and Willie probably came mm-hmm. up with something. Yeah. Willie? And, if, Nelson? and I'm sure <laughs> if you didn't recognize, um, you know, Paul's new van when it's finished rolling down the road you would definitely recognize the uh drake that's probably going to be getting towed behind and that's Mm -hmm. uh spartina i think is Mm -hmm. the color i believe so um or it was or it was uh 
it's a very unique green. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like a hopper green. So yeah. anyway, um, so it's been a while. Uh, a long while. It's been a long while, and uh, part of that is uh, we kind of took a break based on uh, environmental conditions. Mm-hmm. Environmental concerns. Environmental concerns. <laughs> Carl's entire environment was the interior of his humble abode right. for a while. Because... Oh, yeah, right. uh, I brought it brought it on back to the house. <laughs> the Carl Rona <laughs> came home to roost. <laughs> oh, no. So tell us about it, Carl. What's, what's that... Um, what's that... Weezer sickness, like it's uh, it's something. It was it's it the was man really flu something. on steroids. Oh huh? yeah, yeah. I'm still feeling sorry for myself. Really, like a couple of weeks later, yeah. So, um, yeah, two uh, two solid weeks home. Wow. And then third one, like eh, in and out. You know, like yeah, I got trying to get your ne- wheels yeah, back under got you. A, got a negative test and all that, and I was still like, mm, I don't think I'm ready for that negative test. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the, um, yeah, and it's it's kind of just slowly slowly coming back. Energy sucks, you know that kind of stuff. But it's uh, I'm still here, so it's that's a, that's a plus. Now I believe could have been worse, you know. And I'm sorry for the HIPAA violations mm-hmm. of calling you out for right. your illness on mm-hmm. the on the air. But uh, and the same goes for Jameson. But I'm going to call him out as well. Mm-hmm. You guys got it pretty much at the same time. Yeah. Uh huh. Which. Begs the question: Are we're, you guys building boats up there? Or what's su- going on? Sucking face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. French kissing during mm-hmm. lunch. Yeah. Oh no. Yep. Tonsil hockey. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I, and so who, who knows who, who gets to claim? Um, who brought it there? Like if like, if I'm doing um, what what do they call uh, if I'm doing contact tracing? Who mm-hmm. do I who who's the last one to get their finger pointed at? Who started I it? I don't really know. Um, no, you started. No, you started. Yeah, I have no idea. I, we're both kind of in the same boat with, uh, he's been working from home. I'm just at the shop with like the same people over right. and over. So it's yeah. not, we don't really have a whole heck of a lot of outside, you know, normally day to day. We're not right. working in restaurants or seeing a lot of people. So where it, where it came up, from, who knows. the hell knows. Yeah. yeah. The, um, and it's popping up all over the place here lately. seems like it's made it to where, what would, I guess it would be last year. You knew somebody who knew somebody. Right. Not a whole heck of a lot of like, oh, my buddy actually has it. Right. Now it's like yeah. all over like our crowd. For so some did reason. they tell you whether you had the new one or the not? good old wholesome variety or did you get the Delta variant? No, I don't. I don't know. I they think there's additional testing and all that for that. Okay. I have no idea. I'm going to go. I'm probably going to go. I have. I had like the next one. Like <laughs> nobody has it yet. Right. You know, I, I had it before. It was cool. Okay. Yeah. So mine would be what? An, the Echo, I guess. Yeah, Echo variety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to... Uh, one star would not recommend. Would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, because you've had it, will you be getting the poke poke? I will. Because, um, like, the don't an- you have natural immunity now? Um, that, so you have, like, antibodies or whatever. They don't necessarily last forever for everybody okay so some people are like 30 days later you know some people right. are you know whatever what like well on down the road right so it's probably just a safety thing at that level um probably should have got it before but like i said it was kind of the same 
four yeah, or five people, and it really didn't matter. Right. I mean, yeah. You had a pretty part. small circle going yeah, on. Yeah. I get it. And by the time they made it from all the geezers and everybody that was sick, and then it moved down and down and down, I was like less I'd inclined. Forgot, yeah, I right. just kind of forgot about it and pushed it to the back, and I'll get around to it kind of thing. So yeah. it would have made the whole thing a lot easier, even if I still did get it. Right. Well, you know, I don't know. Longest the, longest time I've been off work for like in, in years. Almost, yeah, almost forever, I think. The uh, trade show um, out in Salt Lake City mm-hmm. got bumped, um, postponed, mm-hmm. they called it. Where I come from, if you're not having it for a year, it's like. Postponed till next year. Yeah, that's yeah. called canceled. Right. <laughs> we'll try it again next year. So it's going to be two years in a row. Yeah. With no IFTD. Um, oh, I didn't think about that. I got bumped last time. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I've had a couple of conversations with people in the word that I hate to use. Industry. In the industry. industry. That, you know, I said, man, this could be like the death of IFTD. Because... It's not relevant anymore. Yeah, it's like once it you goes know, away from everything is happening online. Like if right. it's been uh, gone for two o- years, like it kind of proves to you yeah. that you don't That's need it anymore. Right. Yeah, all like so much of that stuff that Crystal was saying is is just going to the way they would have done it anyways. And I don't think it's beating anybody up. I mean, there was boat shows that were canceled and stuff in twenty twenty. It was the best year ever. Right. So you know, it's it's uh, well, it's fifteen. 15 grand, 20 grand for some of these exhibitors that, oh, oh, retail yeah. shows that they're not hor- spending. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a horrendous expense to the manufacturers. I, I did some grassroots marketing stuff prior to 2008 for Johnson Outdoors, which mm-hmm. is um, Ocean Kayak, Old Town, Necky Kayaks at the time, mm-hmm. Minn Kota, um, Humminbird. Mm-hmm. And they would do the big outdoor retailer show in Utah in the summertime. Uh-huh. And the, the expense for everybody, for the manufacturer to, to, to do their big booth, for the retailers to go out there. Because at the same time, I was working for Kim and Tom at Osprey Bay in Clearwater. And for them to get out there to Utah for the week at their own expense, it's just horrendous. Doing it online, it just it, it's going to... When things are getting more and more expensive, it's going to help a little bit, right? You know, and every little bit is going to help right now. So I, I would tend to agree. One of the ones that um, really surprised me—I guess it wasn't that surprising—but uh, Miami International Boat Show, mm-hmm. the larger boats that are indoors, it's like as much as a house for the weekend. It's like hundreds of thousands of dollars to have your boat inside wow. for like the week for the show. No way. I mean, just unbelievable. It, it kind of took me back. I'm like, I guess so, because they have to, like, move all this stuff through town. Right. And, like, get it on carts or on forklifts or whatever, get it inside and set it all up. So just the cost of of doing it and having the convention yeah. center for the week or whatever is probably pretty high. Plus, it's this huge event, you know, and they sell tons, and they know it. So, um, yeah, just massive, massive, massive. There's a lot of people who are like, we're not going to do it anymore. Right. For that amount of money, we could fart around on our own and we'd sell a few less boats a year and be fine with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just eats up so much. Every tackle shop that I've wandered into while I've been on vacation and prior to that, n- none of them wanted to go to their retailer show. What was 
um, iCast. Mm-hmm. They were like, it's pointless, it's useless. I do all my ordering online. The rep comes to see me. Right. It's a pointless expense, you know, in a time where they can't get product in their stores. I mean, I wonder what they're doing sometimes out. too, because right, like everything's back ordered and stuff. So they're like, "Oh man, wouldn't it cool yeah. be cool if you could get this?" <laughs> you know, what are they doing? <laughs> We're selling kayaks off of our orders, so we'll order seventy boats from a manufacturer. We're told we're going to get forty in. We actually get thirty-four of them in. Of that order. A third to almost all of the boats, depending on the manufacturer, will have already been sold. We had people drive from so it's like a waiting Denver list <laughs> to get a certain boat from South Carolina to get a certain boat because they're a specialty retailer, right? So they carry lines of boats that you know you you would have to, but coming from out of state is just crazy. So what and brands are you currently? Um, selling at that shop the store carries eddy line which mm-hmm. is a, a a pretty specialized line of kayaks um they do touring recreational style boats native and hurricane um, which are kind of one in the same thing and then they carry old town and ocean kayak which are basically the same thing and then they carry dum, 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 stand-up paddle boards as mm, well so okay. they carry a, a nice one made by a company called pulse i don't know a lot about stand-up paddle boards and then another company called tahi i think is the name of it and they make roto-molded stand-up paddle boards um usually people that come in to buy stand-up paddle boards they and they're expensive i'm like gobsmacked by how much they cost but those people have already done their research online they know what they want to buy they walk in the store and go i'm here to buy that so there's not a lot of sales it's like you're just fulfilling an order you're just fulfilling an order when you sell the stand-up paddle boards Mm. kayaks are a little bit different and then within that there's a almost a 25 year gap from when i was their kayak fishing guide years ago to they've rehired me couldn't be much older than that oh god when did you do that when you were two just about an old <laughs> anyway so in that time fishing kayaks now have morphed into these super heavy ultra expensive mm-hmm. pedal boats and yes. they've actually designed the wheel that yes. you can't paddle yeah that's what's cool that's really neat that's yeah. really really <laughs> neat for well i guess you know i'm lucky i'm not on i don't mm-hmm. get a commission i just mm-hmm. work at the store but anyway it it's interesting because I, when I when I first got to town, the first thing I did was join the local fly fishing club. I figured I'd meet you know good people that helped me find a place to live. That you know, that those were my peeps, and so they invited me to go on their monthly kayak fishing is this trip. In, this is in Clearwater. This right? is in Clearwater. Yeah. This is the St. Pete Fly Fishing Club, and so I asked them. Not too them, many nice people you know, around there. <laughs> so I asked them, the, the fly fishing club, you know, what boat should I borrow from the kayak shop to go fishing with you guys? And they're like, well, one of the paddle boats. And I said, oh, God, you know, that's so heavy. And oh, my God. And they're like, but if you're not, if you don't, you can't keep up with us. And I said, well, what do you do when you stand up and your stripping line? Doesn't it get fouled around the mechanism and all that? And they're like, oh, no, you'll figure it out. But you won't be able to keep up if you don't get a pedal boat, and that's that. The, and they just are selling the crap out of those boats. Mm-hmm. That's what people are fishing, and they're not fishing out of p- 
paddle boats anymore. So I, I've, I've not looked at one, like, up close, but I always wonder, like, you know, what is it underneath? You know, is, is it like duck it's, feet? Well, it's essentially two fins. That's the that Hobie, are, not ours. Okay. That's the Hobie is the one that, and, and this, is their, this is what they say. Okay. The Hobie flaps. Right. It was yeah. designed to, to simulate how a pelican flew through the water. Okay. And they themselves call it flapping. The other boats have an actual propeller. Yeah, I've seen it with, with like a three-blade prop. A little lower unit with a skeg on it. And a transmission. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you can some of them like the old towns have a trolling motor on there with the really cool spot lock. You know what mm-hmm. the spot oh, yeah, lock yeah. is that holds you uh-huh. in position. I mean, you know, that's a almost a four thousand dollar kayak, yeah. and we can't keep them in the store. So, so and let me ask this: you can stand up in them, and you know, you see. In the Banana River, there's the no motor zone. And the no motor zone literally here is no motor. No electric motor. Yeah. No so we, combustible. You can't even have it on your on board your right. boat. Right. 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 So. Is that where I saw No, no. Here you're, you're allowed to have them no. on the back. No, of you're no. not. No. no. Okay. In the keys, the non-combustion on. zone, yeah. as long as you have the motor off and tilted up you can pull the flat okay um i thought that one's the same as here and then the one here in 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 brevard county is you can't have a motor on the boat in the boat anyway like it's got to be completely off gone yeah like if i unbolted my motor and threw it in the cockpit clearly it's not on the water i'd get a ticket yeah so So when i was at good riches and i look across the water to the east side and i see those signs Mm -hmm. that look like the signs that mcdill keep out is that the the line for the no motor zone? No, no, no. That's just uh, channel markers for the intercoastal. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what you may have seen um, to the south of um, Good Rich. Good Rich is the end of the slow speed. It's resumed safe normal operation all the way to Holliver Canal. And then so in front of Good Riches, is it slow speed? Slow speed. Oh, yeah. I saw somebody blowing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Could have been me on any given day. Um, <laughs> but uh, I digress. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, let's don't go down. Um, you know, the manatee zones in the lagoon really are aligned with where the most houses are kind of weird thing but uh very like visible yeah it's like when the houses end the manatee zones end because manatee only like swim around houses yeah apparently oh that's different than charlotte harbor in charlotte harbor the manatees aren't in the manatee zones no really they aren't oh yeah ours aren't literate either yeah yeah Yeah, ours get outside of the manatee zones all the time right outside the manatee zone i wonder how deer know the deer crossing signs all the time yeah where they know to go across mm-hmm. the highway. Yeah. The um, I saw a bear the other morning on Maytown Road. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. cool. There so. was a bear in Safety Harbor a couple months ago. Decent. Wow. The um, There's a story from a young guy out of Charleston area. Um, his mom was driving home and 
totally smoked a bear with her car. <laughs> God, don't so say she, that. That's the kind of stuff that really freaks me out. So she, to mess around she like gets so out, him to do that. gets out and is like taking photos of him and stuff and calling him and freaking out. And then she starts like FaceTiming his sisters and hanging around and all these like wildlife officers come out with like guns out. Yeah, because they look at that stuff. Blazing. When they're sitting in the oh, yeah. office, that's what they're yeah. doing. They're looking at Facebook and Instagram to they, get people. I think it was, I think it was, well, she had called because it wasn't like all the way dead. Uh-huh. So they come out like freaking out. And they're like, yeah, that's not that's not a full grown bear. So you're just hanging around that thing. And like mama bears like somewhere right yeah, here. Right. You find where the car is real quick. Get back in there. Like post haste. Wow. So, yeah, she uh, quite the scare. Luckily, she didn't like run over to it and be like, oh, I'm sorry, baby bear. <laughs> and that's when mom goes out and rips her head off. <laughs> well, it was like that one time my Ms. My brother and some of his friends drove up to snowshoe to go skiing, and they a black bear like flew out of a tree, hit the rental car tire, got its like snout in the spoke, and like offed it. Matt was like, "Oh my goodness!" And so he, um, his friends like, "We need to go back and check on him." Matt's like, "Uh, no, we can call it in, but we're not getting out of the vehicle to go see if it's okay. Because if it survived, like, yeah, <laughs> a be pissed off super bear. pissed, yeah." Um. Something to do with our, our speed. Oh, the um, one of the Goodriches, uh, R.I.P., had on the back of his truck, I, and then a big propeller, and then mm-hmm. a manatee. <laughs> so I heart when manatee. You, when you went to Mount Lachey, when you when mm-hmm. you drive into Mount Lachey before you go over the bridge on the right hand side, there's a old bait and tackle shop called Seven Seas, and there. Um, mailbox out front is a bloodied up manatee with a prop chop <laughs> on it <laughs> really <laughs> it's been there for years yeah. and then they put like a grass skirt on it it's like standing up <laughs> oh my god that's awesome <laughs> and, but, but <laughs> and Mount Lachey like next door was a, a um a seafood market and the louder Aaron, when Aaron Adams from Bunfish Tarp and Trust used to live out on Pine Island and had a moat field lab out there the louder he would scream about um making permit like catch and release they would put up signs you know at the seafood market permit you know for sale delicious permit <laughs> so you'd have to drive by it every day right yeah. to drive by it every day and you know it just yeah that's a place unique Very. The, the manatee thing with the prop shop and yeah. the grass skirt years yeah there's uh I haven't seen it in a few years, but there's a, a at least now a couple of boats. Um, it used to be a green one, like almost like uh, like Batman and Robin green mm-hmm. uh, that was in the inlet that uh, the side of it said Manatee Mangler. <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow, that's some the uh, that's kind of frowned on the other coast. Yeah. People are like, yeah. Oh, cool manatee. And everybody here is like, Mm-mm. speed bump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's well, well, like kayakers and manatees. The bumps. density, yeah. the yeah. density of manatees up until this year. I mean, I think it's kind of taking care of itself. Um, we've in fl- last, last I heard like over 800 manatee yeah. deaths this year. Um, it really majority hit. of I, them I don't know about is uh, starvation. Yeah. Uh, ours was the red tide. It, oh, it, yes. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Red, the red tide nailed, I think, at least a third, I think Denise said, of the population. This was not this episode of red tide, but the last one, which was the most persistent red tide in history, 
it whacked a third of the population. Mm. And they were they get it they get it doubly bad because the organism is when it's alive is most concentrated during the day at the water surface where the manatee are breathing. Right. And then when the organism dies, it settles into the seagrass where the manatees go to eat. So they kind of get a double whammy. They, you know, unfortunately. It's they, our, here, our situation they, they is no matter where they went, they couldn't find that grass. Right. You yeah. know. They, they, yes, that so. is what happened to your manatees. Yeah. It was what we were talking about earlier. The mm-hmm. seagrass was your keystone species. And when that was gone, everything. Everything just went downhill. Went well, downhill actually, there. down the cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, but they you know they ate themselves out of business. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yes. what happened here. Too many, too many in a too tight space, and they didn't leave anymore. Yeah, because of the power plants mm-hmm. down in mm-hmm. Port St. Yeah, John's. Yeah, the they call that artificial refugia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have that to go to in the wintertime. We would have to do sawfish sampling. Um, not not sawfish sampling, but we would have to go download. One of our listening stations was up in the Orange River, which is an offshoot of the Caloosahatchee, mm-hmm. right by the power plant outflow. And we would go every two or three months to download the um, hits on a listening station. And there would be times where we would be pushing them out of the way with the mullet skiff to get in there, because that's what we drive is research boats, to get in there to get our listening station to download the data. And... Um, it's amazing how, you know, and it's not just um, power plants, but marinas, you know, also concentrate them in the wintertime, mm-hmm. at least down there. And Charlotte Harbor Burnt Store Marina concentrates them. Oh, God, launching a, a boat there, because we'd have to launch there three, four times a month to sample that area. Launching there was a nightmare because you'd be dropping a skiff on mm-hmm. top of a You know, we were, t- you know, Crystal and I were talking before we started the show about, you know, until or unless statewide um, enough citizens become aware of our water issues, it's going to be really hard to see any, you know, appreciable change uh, to the to the positive. And um, recently I was on my way back from the Keys and my friend that I went there with, he grew up in Stewart and he was talking to me about when he was a teenager, high school, there was a particular point, um, where there's a dock and he and his buddy would go down there and park and they would wade that flat. And it was a nice, beautiful grass flat. But, you know, normal shedding of grass, mm-hmm. it gets blown up to the shore, and it's, you know, this mass of sulfur-smelling, nasty, just gross shit that you have to get through. And that's how it used to be in the summertime out here. You know, you get close enough to the shoreline, sometimes you're like, let's fish the middle of the flat. This stinks over here mm-hmm. too much. Um, he was his parents still live in Stewart to this day. And, you know, Chris is probably 10 years older than I. So, you know, high school's 40 years in, in the rearview mirror for him. He anecdotally said, you know, he was down visiting his parents and he went down to the one spot where he and his buddies used to wade in. And it's a beautiful beach, mm-hmm. like white sand, white yeah. sand. 
and there was a guy sitting there in a you know chair on the beach his kid was playing in the water and he's like that guy thinks that this is the perfect spot the perfect mm-hmm. beach and doesn't know what it used to be That's and probably would prefer it to be the way it is now because he's looking at clean clear what le- looks like clean and clear water and he thinks what what problem what's everybody talking That's about called mm-hmm. a shifting baseline so you know people will say you know it, it was so much better 15 years ago or it's so much better now than when i moved here 15 years ago it's but it's that shifting baseline it's what it was when you got there right you know and like we talked about it's it's going to take people having contact with the natural resource in a positive way so that they care about it it's also going to take hitting them in their wallets for people to realize that our fishery that resource is very valuable to the state of Florida. It pays for, that all trickles mm-hmm. down to, you know, if you're in the construction industry, I mean, it, it trickles down to everything here in Florida. Yeah. You know, if you if you add up commercial and recreational, what, it's it's tremendous. And you, I don't, Aaron actually, Adams was the first person to quantify the value of um, the big three game fish down in the in keys. the keys, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, to put a dollar value on them, and you know, some other scientists at the time sort of bristled at the fact that he did that. But that is what it's going to take. There, in part, is for everyone here to realize that you know people come here to catch mm-hmm. fish and to eat fish. And you and I were talking about. Would you want to eat a fish out of this water right now? I wouldn't mm-hmm. personally. No. And we we've we've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, there's still a group of guides um, out of the seventy or eighty permits that are that are active that are not catch and release. They are catch and fillet and release in hot grease. You know mm-hmm. and um, you'll never change their mind because they think that their tip is tied to a Ziploc bag full of fillets that, you know, this guy's going to take back to the condo where his wife's going to say, there's no fucking way you're cooking that in here. And it ends up in the trash can before they go back to wherever it was they came from. Well, that's the part I don't get is like you're going back to a hotel. Yeah. You know, or whatever. It's Well, more so that what I don't understand more so is, you know, these are the same guys that I know have been out here fishing for the last, you know, 15, 20 years that I've been out here fishing. And they're the same guys I overhear, you know, talking about how tough it is this morning and we're only getting this many these days. Yet they still have the same business model. They, they still, still kill, kill their, their business, business partner. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you fucking retarded? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You're versus, killing your business. Versus, versus sending somebody home with one fish, one meal. That you know, you get one redfish, you get one trout, or you get one snook. Right. Or let them ask you or know. something. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there's a really easy way. Yeah. But how, how do you change their mind? I mean, I don't think you are going. Well, there's to a lot of guys that are that are successful in the lagoon. It says it right on their website. I, you know, they're catch and release, right. and they have an explanation of why. Yeah. And and people go out and they. They learn, 
And again, it goes back to like you're talking about until you educate and change the mindset of the resource user that it's not about taking a fillet home. It's but about damn it, Larry. I want to when I catch a flounder, I want to take it home and make fish tacos. God damn it! You know, <laughs> I want. I do want to be able to. Keep I'll give you one that flounder. Snook <laughs> yeah, yeah. here and make my wonderful snook ceviche. If you had it, your tongue would fall out of your face. I want to be able to do that. That one snook a year. One well, I a think year. The, there's. And I, I think that's pretty that reasonable. One flounder and bring it back. You know, yeah, one a yeah. year. Yeah. Reasonable is it? Yeah, that's reasonable. Aren't people's? Yeah, aren't I, people, that's, it. that's not people's high point. I grew being up being reasonable. Yeah, and I grew up fishing with people who would. What's the limit? Five trout. Okay, and a, you know, redfish. We take them home. We clean them. Hey, you want to eat that? See, that's what. That's another thing that yeah. has to stop. Yeah. is that you can't have these bag limits of. Yeah, it should be an aggregate type thing. You get to keep one fish. Or, you know, even if you yeah. even and then if they you throw it in the freezer. one fish per person, it, it, that would that would even be better. But if you aggregated all of the fish that are in shore, all of them, and said, you make your choice, fish, right. you yeah, keep right. one fish, and you can keep one fish. I don't get a snook or fish, fish. Right. right? A couple trout of this and that of the other. It's more than you know one person would need for yeah until yeah. it goes back. That in the would put a little dent in it, mm-hmm. but it's 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 it's. It's going to take a lot to swing the needle back the other way. So we've put all these people into the outdoors now, right? I just go out and put out. People into the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Now we want to, since they're out there, we need to figure out a way to tell them, okay, so you're out here now. You got to care about this. Right. You're enjoying it. You know, it's very fragile. Hopefully those people are being educated. How do we? You know, I think I think one of the things that we could do in the lagoon <clears throat> as individuals is just make sure that when we put up the warning, make sure all of your fish that you keep is cooked very well due to the E. coli levels, that those signs continue to stay up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And then or people are like, um, no, I'll pass. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. Thanks. From the from the mayor of Edgewater, would I eat these fish? And just have it trail off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the um, health department that rides herd on all that, by the way. Oh, as really? far as really? advisories on what you can eat, where and when. Yeah. Yeah, the health department is who, who does that. The different organizations might collect the samples and run the samples for them. Mm-hmm. Like for us, it was mercury. Uh-huh. Um, but the results would go to the health department, and then the health department actually issues say, the okay, advisory that's too high every year. Or in this case or that case. So. Yeah, like you can eat this much of this fish if you're a healthy person. If you're not a healthy person, right. or you're pregnant or you're old, you can't yeah. eat. You shouldn't eat. Yeah, you should stay mackerel, away. Right. Tuna. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's different areas that have better none somewhat worse uh river keeper programs um i know charleston mm-hmm. i, I follow, think theirs are awesome theirs is yeah. awesome like yeah. they're constantly out sampling they're constantly like 
you know, like an interactive map where they're like, uh, I wouldn't even swim in the water in this area. I definitely wouldn't be eating fish out of this area. Here's why. And you can go to the graph and see like what's in the water. Um, you know, the lagoon, um, the amount of shrimping that goes on here makes me a little, weird. <laughs> it's crazy. Like yeah. you wouldn't eat a fish on there. I feel like a shrimp's maybe more apt to pick up. Yeah. They're kind of like a Yuck. scavenger feeder. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's a you lot of the, dip netting. Because we, we did fisheries, so I'm not sure what levels of anything, I call them the crusties, the crustaceans have. There is a crustacean group mm-hmm. with, with, you know, fisheries, uh, but I honestly haven't read anything about it. I'm not going to turn down stone crab claws shrimp mm-hmm. dinner, mm-hmm. a fresh pink shrimp dinner. Right. You know. And I just don't want to think about the fact that they do scavenge. But they have some yuck in there. Yeah, they're part of the cleanup crew. Well, it's like, you know, all crabs are, you know. Cleanup crew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they just enjoyed the shit out of that fucking dead catfish. (laughs) (laughs) that has been rotten on the bank. Yeah. Wandered into your your crab trap. Mm -hmm. So, Crystal, tell us a little bit about who and what and where where you worked. So it was a portion of Florida Fish and Wildlife so Conservation Commission. FWC is the main body, and that breaks down into three groups. You have the commissioners, which are the rule makers. Suits. Basically. Mm-hmm. And then you have Real law enforcement. Coppers. And then you have research. Which is us. And Hippies. And, and <laughs> I, I had an ex-boss that called them Earth Muffins. Earth? <laughs> Sounds gross. I, everybody always laughs at that. Um, there must be some joke. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I don't get it, but I laugh like I understand it. I'd love one, Ben. Thank um, you. And I, I, but <laughs> it smells good. I wish I could drink that. Um, but anyway, um, and then within research, you have... Avian, which are birds, you have beach mice, you have cranes, and then you have freshwater fisheries, you have marine fisheries. So I worked for marine fisheries. Within marine fisheries, you have three divisions, research divisions of that. You have fish bio, fish biology, which they look at individual species, goliath grouper, redfish, yada yada. And then you have fisheries dependent monitoring. And the most popular group within that division is the red snapper group. Mm-hmm. Or is that the feds that got everybody pissed off? That's another story. Okay, sorry. Don't go there. That'll sidetrack me. Um, and, and then you have fisheries dependent monitoring. Those are the guys that you see at the boat ramps. Um Measuring oh, t- uh, catches. Hey, yeah. do you mind if you? They're, they're not yeah. law enforcement. That's, Can I talk that, to you about what you caught today? Yeah, they're, and they're not law enforcement. They're not going to bust you for anything. They're not going to turn you in. Nothing. But depends they, they what also, shape your grouper is. <laughs> they also go out on headboats, and because headboats, they can sample a lot of fish on headboats, and they can put a lot of tags. They they also tag fish that are getting released, 
and make sure that they get vented properly. I know I noticed that recently here on this coast. I didn't realize that they they actually go on headboats like for the day. Yes, right. That's I'm fisheries like, dependent monitoring. Yeah, yeah. That does that. I work for fisheries independent monitoring. So what we did was go out in research boats and pull our own gear and catch, keep some for life history workup, measure a subset of and quantify and identify everything. I feel like you just made up a word that was like keep some for. No, it's called life history. Dinner history? No. No, actually, we're not allowed uh, to do that. We all sign papers saying that we're not going to do that, which is interesting because I saw a program about um, it was there were biologists in Louisiana and they're for working for the state and they're actually allowed to take home some of their it fish. Seemed like it'd be we're like not allowed to wasteful. take home anything. We donated it to at least in Charlotte Harbor. We donated it to a um, battered woman's um, shelter. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But and we had to fillet it. Yeah. But we that's what we did with our fish. But anyway, so within fisheries independent monitoring, you have the inshore group and the offshore group. And then we do contract work for the federal government as well offshore. So it. it it, you know, and that's grant money that comes into our program that helps pay people's salaries. And so keeps a, res- a researcher that's doing like horny toads, you know, inside the state somewhere and a researcher that's doing redfish are like hundreds of researchers away from each other because there's so but you many might get subsets paid on the horny toad grant. Like you like right. they are really good at. Because I don't even know if we is, have horny toads so here. I, just I, I don't that. believe so. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're still doing a study to find out. If we don't, we will at some point. <laughs> yes, true. Right. true. Um, it's, like, called, it's called brain fog. Curly tail lizard <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, scrambling yeah, across yeah. the front. I'm like, what the hell is <laughs> yeah, that? Like, we don't have that in Tampa yet. You walk around downtown Cocoa. Those are everywhere. Yeah. Fort Lauderdale, they're like trying to bite you. Oh my god! Like those, they're like in the, the keys, pretty heavy now too. Oh, like like yeah. beefy ones, yeah. But anyway, what was it? Okay, horny toads versus. Okay, so money is so tight. They actually have a group of people at Tallahassee that spread the money out. Eventually, the money that is awarded to a project is going to go to that project. But they have to spread the money out to make sure everybody gets paid. Everything. It would be like so it would be like live load. You're so, paid yeah. on a on a grant, mm-hmm. and you get paid every two weeks. I don't know about other people, but the designation I was, you could take your mouse and mouse over your project code and see what project you were getting paid on. I remember getting paid on a raccoon project. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think that's the only one that I remember mousing because normally, like, you're too busy, you know, to even think about doing something like that. But it was my husband that said, you know, mouse over your code sometime and see what project you're getting paid on. And I'm like, I work for Fisheries Independent Monitoring Inshore. I mean, you know. So you would have to all kind of split. Yeah, so just I like goes into a big stuff. pot. So you might get right. paid on the sawfish project. Mm-hmm. You might get paid on. But yours would wow. pro- probably also mm-hmm. go. To the horny toad guy. Exactly. Right. The horny toad guy might get paid on the... On your sawfish snook. work or whatever, because yeah. that's the one that just came in. And actually, snook, I don't think, is it, it directly a grant. Snook, they get their money from that snook stamp. 
And that's where they get the lion's share of their money from. And the lion's share of our fishing license money goes to law enforcement, not to research. Oh. The majority of our research money comes from grants, and it comes from grants that only government entities are allowed to apply for. So say, you know, like Aaron worked for Moat. Now he works for one of the universities over here. Um, I don't know whether it's a state university or... Mo it's it, Moat Marine and like Moat Sarasota. Moat is private. Yeah. So, you know, the, he if, would be applying for grants that we couldn't and vice versa. So, you know, very rarely was there any conflict between the two as far as competing for grant money. But we're all paid on grants. We are not paid on fishing license money. Right. We're paid on grants. And there are people that spread that money around and make sure that it goes where it needs to go. Really smart mm -hmm. people that get that done. Unfortunately, scientists don't make very much money. It is very much a labor of love. Mm -hmm. you, and it is the coolest job in the world. I mean, you know, when you talk about top 10 cool jobs in the world, when you can walk into anywhere and say you're a marine biologist and right. get laid. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are, you know, designations. What, what is it like if you are, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a National Geographic explorer in residence, you know, like Bob Ballard, you can get laid anywhere. Mm -hmm. if, if you are, what is that captain's designation? All oceans, unlimited tonnage. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. there you go. And if you are the captain of the... USS Enterprise, you know the carrier, right? But you're still the captain I we're of the talking Enterprise. Star Trek, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, didn't you? I mean, you yeah. could walk into a bar anywhere and say that. I mean, didn't Carl does that all the time. Yeah, he's like, you're not gonna believe this, but I'm the captain <laughs> of the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But marine biologist is definitely too, in the like top ten Shatner. of cool jobs. It is super cool, and the coolest part of it is it's really hard. It's brutal on your body. It's gonna it's gonna destroy your body, but the coolest part of it is doing the field work. Is you know nobody does discovery programs on the people that sit at computers and crunch the data and mm -hmm. do all of that. For it's sure, it's the going out there in the field, and it is really really cool to hold a sawfish in your hands, a little baby newborn sawfish that still has his sheath around his rostrum so that he doesn't hurt mama on the way out. You know, that perfect little baby. It's really cool to set an, a big net. A How much you get for that bill? You got any in the van? Sawfish? Yeah, the bill. You know how you see them oh, like in the old bars? Oh, when they, yeah. When you see them in like old bars, have you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah like in old bars. They're the yeah. first marine fish to be federally protected. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's worse than keeping lobster out of season or undersized. I, I, you know, That's I when they take mm -hmm. the trailer, truck, boat. They don't even take you to jail. They just shove that rostrum straight up your rectum and mm -hmm. you're gone. You know, I've Honestly, seen. I've probably seen it. Curb it. Yeah, I've probably seen like. <laughs> you're right. Because we used to look for them at some point. That I guess when it was okay to, a lot of restaurants and bars and crap got them in St. Pete. So we used to like look for them, and there was a ton of like older places that had them mounted. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like mounted up and down, and there's you know however big it is, and maybe a photo by it or something. Our, our biologist was a co-author on a, a project. That person went around and t 
took genetic samples, found out where all those rostrums were yeah, in yeah. restaurants and libraries and nature centers mm -hmm. and stuff, and did um, did genetics, pulled genetics off of those. That'd be really interesting. Which is really interesting because yeah. they found out that old mounts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that sawfish um, drop off their pups every other year, and they come back to the same place. So I've heard that there are places in the state. Um, you know, and really specific areas too, where you're just walking on them. I mean, they're just like everywhere. And then for everybody the else, Everglades. they're so rare. Well, their range otherwise. used to be a lot greater. Yeah. And the range really shrunk. So it's it's there are a lot of them in Charlotte Harbor, more of them down in the Ten Thousand Islands in the Everglades, mm -hmm. um, and some over here. The really cool story, if you want to know a cool story, because we are also the the telephone number that you call if you catch one or you see one. Oh, yeah. right, right. Is a, there's a captain in Fort Lauderdale that runs lobster diving trips at that first reef, just mm -hmm. a few miles offshore mm -hmm. right there. And he always sees the big sawfish um, heading in a in nose to tail, the, the big, you know, 15, 16 foot sawfish mm -hmm. nose to tail. All, all in a line. Okay, I didn't realize they get that big at all. That's, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. At eight, nine foot, they're still not sexually mature. Okay, I thought they were like six, eight feet was like a big one. So yeah, I think I think 15 foot is the largest one that we've necropsied. So they, but he sees, he sees at the same time every year them going, traveling nose to tail heading. I think they're heading south. I could be wrong about that fact. So they do like move. They do. And yeah. so we, we. Put, with, with like weather and season. Well, we put acoustic tags in them. And then there's a consortium of listening stations all over the place for this, that, and the other various project. And we found out that our sub-adults, these are the ones that are like eight, nine foot that we're putting like long-term, I think they're like roughly five-year tags, uh -huh. maybe even longer than that, um, that get surgically inserted into them. Our fish were going from Cape Hayes, which is outside of Charlotte Harbor, uh -huh. And just outside of the Caloosahatchee, those guys are going down to the Marquesas every year in the wintertime and then coming back to the exact same spot in the summertime, just like a snowbird, just like we would like to do. I would like mm -hmm. to go to the Marquesas. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they go down to the Marquesas and they come back. But at eight, nine foot, they're still sexually immature. Wow. So they yeah. have to be same. like just massive dinosaurs to be able to breed and yeah. keep the, th I, the I never got to go going. on those trips that where they it was when I stopped going in the field that they figured out how to target at where and how to target those eight to nine foot fish yeah. that were in Charlotte Harbor and it the whole project started with anecdotal reports and our sawfish biologist who does the lion's share of the work in the state works very closely with captains and anglers. I was going to say really charter depends, fishermen and, and stuff, and, and, yeah. And, and really depends on them and has has built this wonderful community of, of people. And then within that, the Sawfish Project, we took volunteers with us and let those volunteers go out in the water with us and walk the nets and help pull the sawfish out of the nets and hold the sawfish while we measured them and took a fin clip on them and put a pit tag that's the little rice 
size tag that you put in and then you wave the wand over. It's like mm-hmm. what you put in your dog. Okay, yeah. Um, put one of those in, um, draw blood on them, take poop if they poop. Um, all kinds you of think stuff. if I volunteered long enough, maybe they'd give me one of them saws? They wouldn't do that, but... If there was a dead one? You might get a t-shirt. <laughs> it's pretty hard okay, to so get a t-shirt. It's pretty so good funny that you said that. We used to work on, in St. Pete, the Florida Fish and Wildlife like research stuff. And they used to come in with like the coolest t-shirts. Because some years, like, like your um, fishing license, it's like a Guy Harvey designed one. Some it's, of them just actually, say like FWC and like block letters. And we were like, okay, so next time you come in here, like you got to die if you don't bring a t-shirt. And it was like, dude, I get four a year. Like they are absolutely like not hardest thing to get. Yeah, I I never got one. Never ended up getting one. All those illustrations on the posters and on the T-shirts are done by an artist named Diane Rome Peoples. She's very famous, and those are scientific illustrations. They are scientifically correct. Mm -hmm. The number of scales, the number of fin rays, the placement of, you know, the insertion of the fins, everything. Those are scientific illustrations. Those posters are collectors' items. If you have them. Don't lose them. If you have a T-shirt, no matter how skanky it gets, keep that T-shirt. Those, you know, those are those oh, man. illustrations we, we, we are tried beautiful, everything. aren't they? We tried everything, yeah. man, and it was like just nope. nobody ever got one. That I my knew, husband ever. ran the database for the tagging program, the inshore tagging program. So if you caught a tagged fish and you reported it to, um, it was Ron Taylor's son that you reported it to at the hatchery, then he would send that on to my husband who would send you a letter saying your fish was tagged at this location. He was at large for this many days. He grew this much. And then he would send you a T-shirt. I caught a tagged fish, and then you, and the T-shirt had a Diane Rome Peebleson on it. He would not give up one of those shirts to anybody, not even mm-hmm. his wife mm-hmm. would he give one of those shirts to. If there so was even if you're dipping your pen in Company Inc., you ain't getting a shirt. If you're fishing off the Company Pier, you're not getting a shirt. <laughs> fishing off the Company Pier. Don't fish off the Company Pier. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we would tell the young men when they came to work mm-hmm. for us Don't at dip the your lab. pen in Company Inc. Don't fish off the Company Pier, and a few of them would, and then all the girls would hate, you know. Uh-huh. You had to pick who had to go on who, what boats and stuff. What was that show Camp. on MTV where they all lived in the house? Oh, Real World. Real, real World. Yeah. We're talking Real that, World, but, yeah. but really in but Charlotte no. Harbor on a real mullet skiff. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Kids out of college. <laughs> a bunch of college kids, them. yeah. That maybe are from Florida. Maybe not. No. Out on boats. No. Mm-hmm. No. All good yeah. kids with great educations and their hearts in the right place, and and it's a good. It's a good first job for them, and if they do their job well, and they make everybody happy, the references that you can get, to go on to do great things. Right. You know. You can either blow it there or not. It is a wonderful, wonderful job. And for the people I remember that, that crowd there, being pretty damn young. Like most of the people, there was like, yeah. like a captain or somebody, you know, that was like a little bit more in charge. Not necessarily like a big time scientist or anything, you know, that, yeah. that was coming by the boatyard. But um, but the rest of the the crew and stuff, they were like college age yes. kids. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. an entry level position. Yeah. We, I 
I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. But, but it's like call them net monkeys. Yeah, but it's hard. You're net monkey. Like it's it's reasonably like <laughs> yeah. pull like a mule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull like mule. Yeah. <laughs> net monkey. You can skip the gym some days. Right. Mm-hmm. What do you think about a uh, a break? Yeah, let's, let's do that. Break that up a little bit. Um, one question. It might just be to think on for later, but um, you're talking about working with charter captains and how much data you guys could get from them. Yes. And then we were talking about other charter captains that are still catching fillet. Is it, are we, should we be looking at charter captains? They're there more. They're, they're catching more. They're fishing every day. You know, is that We're something? not really privy to them, you know, when at least the few stock assessments that I attended, and not this latest stock assessment, but the stock assessments that I went to, the captains that go to those that are sort of in the face of the biologists and the rule makers and, and the people who enforce the rules are usually the catch and release guys. And if anything, they're too vocal, they're too aggro about yeah. that. And and they're kind of echo warriors. Yeah, and the more aggro people are with, especially with us researchers, the more we're gonna not back up on our research, but just back up from you, and not want to have mm-hmm. those interactions with you. I mean, you know, don't hate on me, dude. I'm not getting paid very much right. here. I'm here because I love this because it right. means something to me. Right. And so don't hate on me. You know. I didn't know you were fishing around the corner. You come around the corner and I'm here and I'm setting a 600 foot hull seine and then you just rip me a new one mm-hmm. because I'm in your way, you know, and I'm getting paid crap. They're making more than yeah. you are. <laughs> exactly. As a part-time captain, you're making more than I uh-huh. am. I mean, don't, right. so it, that makes us back up e- either way. Yeah. Well, I'm, no one likes getting people in their face, yelling at them when you're trying to fix a problem. Right. Exactly. So I don't well think said, the catch ben. and kill is a lot on it was never on my radar in in any capacity it right. was the other people that were more on our radar right um recreational stuff we make recommend so we we make recommendations based on our science we say we think that they should be managed this way and we make a powerpoint and we put it on our website and so it's there for all of us to read and there's a comment period mm-hmm. that we can send emails or we can call. If you have taken the time to actually look at the stock set or, or look at the PowerPoint and your letter is intelligible, is that a word? Um, the commissioners are going to take that stuff seriously. The rule makers are going to take. But it's the people who call up using lots of bad words. And, and, and they just get discounted. They just yeah they just get discounted the yeah. people that get up there and drone on and on and on that are clueless either way you, you'll see the commissioners looking down they're doing something else they're not going to listen to those people but so basically the commissioner's job is to balance the needs of the resource with the wants of the stakeholders and it's it's law enforcement the cops job to enforce those rules we just make the recommendations mm-hmm. at one point i remember that the snook stock had rebounded enough for us to recommend opening it and the stakeholders 
ask that it stay closed for another year or two. The commissioners listened and Snook stayed closed. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that was not our recommendation. Um, they listen to the stakeholders. They really actually do listen to the stakeholders. I don't care what anybody says. But that's good to hear. The, the yeah. science yeah. is out there. The I mean, science is out there are. for you to look at. It's on our website. The PowerPoint is there. It's easy to understand. You know, it 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 it's there's a period for you to comment, make your comments, but they aren't gonna listen. Nobody's gonna listen to people that are, you know. Yeah. Right. And you get some people that Same thing happens when I get super belligerent. <laughs> Nobody, nobody listens. listens to you. Mm. Well, it depends you know what on the context. used to do me. when I got belligerent? He would moon me. It, de no, it depends on the context, Carl. Sometimes people are like, Carl's belligerent? Turn the volume up. Moon yeah. what's going just, on. just moon him. He'll nobody, stop. Nobody just, gets just, me. Just drop trial on him, show him the hairy goat, and he'll I'd go away. I spend a considerable amount of my time of my brother mooning me throughout my I'm childhood, and I don't remember being belligerent. <laughs> <Yeah>. Completely within <laughs> within the norms at this point. No, this is it's pretty good. That's, you know... We yeah, just, just, I just think we just named it. the uh, segment. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Moon over my Carl. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So All let's right. go ahead and yeah. take a break and get beverages topped off. And we will be back in just a few.
All right, so before we dive back into anything um, of consequence, the most consequential moment of the podcast, if you hear it in the background, is mm-hmm. the Rainier opening mm-hmm. on the south side of the table. Carl. I, feel like I just won like a, like a Formula One race. Carl is about big... to have his first Rainier. Right. I feel like it's mountain fresh, naturally brewed, looks really generic, which I kind of like. Let's see. Everybody knows the rules. Mm -hmm. Two sips. I'm going to go full pedestrian. But that's also, in my book, a good thing. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Easily. Easily. It's just like real normal American. Lighter. Crisp. Mm -hmm. Crisp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you call it earlier? Nice daily driver. Nice daily driver. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um. If I was ever out west, you know, with the cliffs and the windy roads and everything, I'd say great road soda. Okay. Yeah. A little barley pop, a little barley pop for the road. On the uh, on the drinker side mm-hmm. of the vehicle, definitely, definitely uh, a box full of those would yeah. be good to have. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Um, so uh, one thing that we wanted to circle back around um and talk to crystal about specifically with sawfish you were telling us a little something over the break one of the most interesting features Mm -hmm. of uh that you that you found out about with sawfish and this is mind-blowing all the sawfish that are captured we take fin clips on them and we also take where the the where we punch the hole through their their fin to put a roto tag on there mm-hmm. with their FWC number, we have these. We oh, can so they get f- the they get free tags, they get free licenses. They get okay. They get, you clip them right they're on. They're in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> they're really heavily <laughs> deep deep in the matrix. Um, so anyway, lost my train of thought. So all, all those fish we do genetics on them, and come to find out. Three of the, at, at that point, roughly 300 fish that we had tagged in the Caloosahatchee and Peace River, respectively, three of those had mothers, but no fathers. So in other words, the mothers had reproduced parthenogenetically. They cloned themselves. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wild? The take-home message being they don't need daddies. So they so they're self-cloners. Yeah, you have yeah. a population of animals, you know. We'll talk about the ultimate survivor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's like, hey, I've been looking for, you know, somebody to tangle with for years and it hadn't been happening, so I'll just go ahead and clone myself. Exactly. I believe uh, Ian Malcolm in Jurassic Park says life finds a way. <laughs> and he also says they test, for, they test fence for weakness. That's the other guy. Um, so what you're saying is there's a lot of like single chicks out there that are just saying, see, no, I, I told you we didn't need them. Because you figure three, <laughs> three out of roughly 300 that we had sampled, and that was just the fish that we sampled, not including the, the feds do sampling, or at least at that time they did sampling down in the 10,000 Islands. There was a biologist that was doing sampling off of um, the Miami East Coast area as well. But that's so that's just three of them, but three of them that couldn't find 
fathers. That's and so they clone themselves. I mean, that's so they can't 1%. find their baby daddies. Is this like what? What was the yeah, show? They're, they're, oh, are they're, you the father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the mechanic that works on Gomez is next door to the lab, mm-hmm. and I had to take Gomez there for its regular checkup. Mm, his. About a month ago, his, his. right, theys. However, it identifies itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, Any. we're getting deep into the, the identification <laughs> thing. Some fish don't even need the male at all. They, so, yeah, right? they just, what do they identify as both? Oh God, who knows? But anyway, Greg, Dr. Palakis, Dr. Greg was showing me pictures of the eggs of a sawfish, a, a mature one that he had necropsied. And the eggs are the size of a, of a baseball. There, it's amazing, and I don't remember how many eggs that it had in it. I don't remember seeing the picture because I, I saw the picture and I can visualize it. So, you know, with um, sharks, some sharks and some rays, they—it's almost like the what do they call it? Like uh, mermaid's purse. They, yeah, there. These are these or are, these are live. They're live, live birds. Okay. Yeah, they're live bears. So they're like, they're more like a stingray than they are like a, a shark proper in, in that they don't have to swim to oxygenate their gills. Okay. The water flows from like gill to spiracle or however that works. They, they have the body of a, of a shark that looks like a shark, mm-hmm. but they actually, their pec- pectoral fins form a disc like a stingray. Mm-hmm. I know they, they have can, like they broad shoulders, so it would be like they get broad like as they go up towards it, the head. It's so cool yeah. because the, the acoustic tagging has shown that sawfish are the last ones to leave the river if environmental conditions are less than ideal, if there's a hurricane coming. They're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They're kind of the last ones to react. We would always joke because we set the nets and we wait 30 minutes, we check them, we wait another 30 minutes, we pick up our gear, we go to another spot, do the same thing. And we always joke around that SAW stands for sit and wait, sit and wonder, sit and whine. Because they're pretty <laughs> yeah. slow. And they swim into the net, and they spin around and do the crocodile hunter death roll yeah. in the gill net, and then they just sit there. R.I.P. You know, as long as they're, they can, they can, that water flow, you know, they're fine. I mean, you catch nine of them in a gill net, you know, it's not an emergency like it is with sharks to get them out right, right away. Right. Um, but we always, you know, joke around about, you know, the little sawfish swims into the net and he wraps himself up, you know, and, and then he goes, hmm, well, I'm in a predicament, aren't I? <laughs> I guess I'll just sit and wait. This is awkward. (laughs) Somebody will come along and, you know, take care of me. Or, like, you know, a hurricane's coming and everything scrams out of the river and the sawfish is sitting there going, hmm, well, my shark friends are gone and my stingray friends are gone and my food is gone. Maybe I should go too. Mm -hmm. No, I'll just sit and wait. (laughs) So they're, like, the last ones to to Mm -hmm. leave. They're, They're not... So they're buddies with ibises. And oysters. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't yeah. move, they don't move around all the They are pretty durable, durable animals. They really are. And I know, like in the case of one necropsy of a big one, it had a long line hook in its gut. 
I don't know whether they determined if that was the cause of death. Another one that that we recovered that had died was a, a seven, roughly seven foot sawfish. I was on the sawfish trip in the Caloosahatchee River. My husband was running a, a, a regular fisheries independent monitoring trip in the river. Somebody told him about a dead sawfish on shore. He went and recovered it and then drove it out to us to, to necropsy it right there on the boat. And its liver was all like cirrhosis out. Mm. Mm. Um, so pretty wild. Yeah. <coughs> it, so, they're, so it they party. Wild. They yeah. drink. Yeah. 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 They're like us. It would, a little it slow. Would enjoy and nice. they're we slow. We sit around for yeah, storms. They, they don't, right. we drink. They don't, they oh, don't. so it's a hurricane party. So yeah. that's what you're saying. They exactly. stay for the hurricane. But it just, you just can kind of picture them going, hmm, maybe I should leave. Well, no, I think I'll just stay here mm -hmm. and wait it out. Maybe things will get better. And um, But they're, they're pretty durable. You know, red tide, they're, they're pretty durable. Um, when they're born, they their moms drop them off. You know, somewhere in the Caloosahatchee River, they spend their first months in these residential canals in Cape Coral. And then as they get older, they start making little forays out to the main stem of the river. And as, as they outgrow, they probably need a different food source. You know, eventually they go out and they stay out. What are the predators that prey on sawfish? Just like any other elasmobranch sharks. Okay. Sharks are, are usually the, and then humans. Okay. Yeah, but we've we've had to go and recover sawfish that, um, you know, had their rostrum cut off, or yeah. we've recovered. In one Did case, you find John out who and had I them? went on. No, one one case, it. John and I went in on a Sunday because we were the only people that were close enough to do it and of course we would do it but we went and recovered a rostrum and a part of the head and somebody took the rest of the body probably to eat it you know was was at the foot of a bridge where people pier fished and stuff um but they left the it left the rostrum and part of the head mm, where'd that one make it to? <laughs> yeah, you gotta wonder there was a um who was that it was at uh, i think it was at naples pier it was one of the piers, and, and it was a, a sawfish without its rostrum, a, a good size one. I think it was like between 9 and 11 foot, and it kept showing up at the pier, you know, where people were fishing, and it could, mm -hmm. you know, easy meals and stuff. And, and I think it got captured three or four times, and then eventually it, it didn't. Mm -hmm. But we'd get phone calls on the sawfish hotline, yeah, yeah. You know, people calling, saying, you got to come do it's something, got like maybe like do a, something yeah. about it. Well, this like, is, well, what oh, do you want us to do about it? Like just Just... Tell Stubby, right? We'll see him again next week, Stubbs. and just release him gently. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, you know, the main thing is, is it's like anything else that you catch. Don't drag it up on the shoreline. You know, that's yeah. You know, that's that's probably what's going to hurt it the most when they're little. If you catch one, people people out there, if you catch one, a small one, and you have a towel or something or a a, a glove. Um, you know, that you would use to, I don't know, like a heavy-duty glove, you know, grab it by the base of the rostrum mm -hmm. and try to get the hook out. Um, you're not going to get in trouble for doing that. And a, a bigger one, you know, just cut good it off luck. as close as you can. Yeah, right. good luck. Yeah. It's really cool to get reports from people that catch sawfish in kayaks because it surfaces, and that rostrum's like, yeah. like whipping around. 
you know, and you're looking up at it. I, I've never caught a sawfish out of my kayak, but I've jumped enough big tarpon. And when you're looking up at that thing, you, you mm-hmm. tell yourself, oh, Christ almighty, what have I done? You know? And it's got to be like a, just they weren't there targeting them. So no. when it when that shows up, yeah. you're like, what? You're like, what yeah. What's happened? Whoops. Exactly. But you, those people that call, you know, report from a kayak, they're like, oh my god, it was like You'll at least five foot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you're like, and I'm looking at that rostrum waving around, and because they're elasmobranchs, so their yeah. whole body is yeah. is um, cartilage, is mm-hmm. cartilaginous. So it's a uh, yeah, but. The, the recovering the rostrum in just a little piece of the head, that was probably the weirdest one right. that I ever went on. Um, and then seeing the the hook and leader come out of the gut of the sawfish mm-hmm. that off of Fort Lauderdale, the long line leader. Mm. So, Larry. Yes, sir. You did a little uh, vacationing. Um, yeah, I guess probably since the last time uh, we sat down at the table, um, I went up and fished um, in East Tennessee. Uh, had a quick trip up there with my buddy Greg, uh, a little trout fishing, and uh, that was a lot of lot of fun. We basically uh, the conditions that were served up because we were fishing a tailwater. Um, just through streamers and uh, caught some uh, brown trout and just a quick like two and a half three hour jaunt but uh, yeah most recently a couple weeks back even if it's been that long maybe a week and ten days ago uh, I went down to the lower keys with my buddy Chris and we went bone fishing and uh that was that was the primary purpose and we ran into a couple of permit um so that was fun um we got down there on thursday and rolled into town just took um you know kind of a leisurely grandpa um style departure from here and made it to like a late lunch in Key Largo and after we had lunch we cruised down and we stayed at the Sugarloaf Lodge and if you haven't stayed at the Sugarloaf you need to I think I've I've seen the sign it is like stepping back in time back to like the 50s or the 60s um some of the light fixtures in the room mm-hmm. are, and I think on my Instagram, I even, uh, you know, put one of them up. They're just like, it's just really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when we got there, what was the storm that was, it was the K storm. I don't know. No, it's not the one that got into it's not Louisiana. Ida. Yeah. No. No, it's the one that came up and then like just went up through. No, maybe it did go to Louisiana. Yeah, it did. It's the one that went to Louisiana and then up through and like all the way to New York. It was like the forever storm. That that was Ida. Ida. Okay. So when we rolled into town, Ida, and 
we just knew we were going because we looked at tides. We were like, okay, this is the week we want to go. Yeah. And uh, we didn't even look at weather. Weather wasn't even a concern. And we roll into town, and it's like blowing 25, 30. And we're like, oh, shit. And we look, <laughs> we're, we're like, now. Yeah. Um, well, there's a hurricane on the south side of uh, Cuba. So, you know, 110, 100, you know, yeah. whatever miles away. And, Did you uh, notice everybody else leaving when you were coming going down? No, <laughs> the road, a, road was solid on the way out. <laughs> well, the, the the track was never that it was going to hit the key. It was going to go around the keys, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what it ended up doing. So when we got there on Thursday, uh, we put the boat in and we took off, um, just you know, kind of get a lay of the land and fished just a little bit the first day that we were there. Um, tides weren't really lined up for what we wanted to do, but didn't see anything. Um, came back, went to, uh, square grouper Mm -hmm. to eat dinner. And (laughs) that was the last day that the square grouper was going to be open until October 7th. Were they they seasonally closing it now? Well, they were, yeah, they were closing for a month. Um, she takes a vacation. for a vacation. Oh, right. And, uh, it was, it was pretty awesome. I, I've, I've been to the group, you know, the grouper quite a few times in the past. Chris had never been. And we actually went upstairs, which is the joint mm-hmm. is the more of like the sports bar on the yeah. second level. This is the one farther down. You're going towards. Yeah. 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 Summerlin. And, uh, so, you know, for sure they're about to close when they you know sling you the menu and they're like by the way we don't have fries we don't have tater tots we don't have to yeah it's like but um great food great atmosphere um so we head back to the hotel we're old dudes we're in bed by 10 o'clock and um we get up the next morning and boat's already in the water that's that's the really nice thing about the uh sugarloaf lodge is once you've got your boat in the water, they actually have a dock out back, very protected. Mm-hmm. So um, we go out, and first place that we stop, um, within 10 minutes, um, first bonefish. And I see it, it's right off the bow of the boat, like, liter plus 10 feet of fly line roll cast little twitch fish on immediately fish breaks off um spent the rest of the day grinding it out we saw a few more fish just didn't have like you know proper good angles or shots on them and uh wrapped the day up and we went down to uh, Geiger Key to Fish Camp, um, which is a restaurant that's on the water on Geiger, and had dinner down there. And I'll tell you, if you're visiting the Lower Keys and you want a really laid-back, good place on the water for a a dinner spot, definitely that's uh, high on my list. A lot like JB's. just super chill. A lot of, you see a lot of locals there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we were fully 
fully thinking that we were not going to be able to fish. Um, Your weather like sustained right from when he showed up. Like it was pretty. Yeah, it was still in in, blustery, and we had actually gone to bed that after the first full day. The storm was like the weather forecast. We were like, "Shit, what are we gonna do tomorrow?" Because we're not gonna get to fish. It's it was supposed to be like thunderstorms rolling through, wind howling. We wake up the next morning, and the wind's blowing but not quite blowing as hard as it was the day before. And it's really not looking that rainy. We look at the radar and that storm had kind of skirted on out faster and mm-hmm. was moving away quicker. So it, it, we were, we were like, Holy shit, we're in business. So we load up, um, and we're doing bankers hours and, hit the same kind of area that we had started the day before where I hooked and broke off the fish and lo and behold, real quick, run into a few happy bone fish, make a cast, runs me out. I'm bringing them in, get them close to the boat, just about landed and get absolutely swarmed by sharks right at the boat. And that fish got shortened. Um, I, I wasn't able to land it. I wasn't, you know, it's like you, you got to make a decision. Yeah. Um, are you going to reach into the fire? Or, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we paid our taxes. Yeah. Um, Beautiful fish, though. Yeah, it was a cute little guy. Um, so I, I switched out and uh, put Chris on the dance floor. And within 15, 20 minutes, we ran into another nice group of fish, uh, bigger fish. Chris got himself a bonefish, and uh, it was shy. Um, it, it it did the flip-flop out of the hands before we could take a picture. Mm. Um, face for radio. Yeah, face yeah. for radio. And uh, then we went out and uh, kind of hit some of the flats that uh you would more expect to see you know the possibility of either bonefish or permit but uh we we kind of kind of got on the struggle bus a little bit at that point um just uh getting places where we were expecting that you know the time that we were hitting the tide that we should have you know the water that we're looking for and uh, it, it just the water had already dropped out and there just wasn't enough water on the flat but uh, if we moved out a little bit we were you know picking up enough water a lot of sharks cruising around and stuff but just not very many bone fish hadn't seen any permit um, so rinse rewind go to bed go to uh fish the next morning and uh we'd really kind of one one of the one of the cool things with this is a diy trip is uh even though when we got to the prime mm-hmm. um flats that we wanted to fish the you know we, we were like something's off here with you know w- the water level and what we're wanting to do but what we also were did successfully figure out was 
okay, we're looking at the tide stations, and now we're understanding if we move north from this location, we can pick up water. Yeah. Or, you know, if we go south of this location, you know, that's where the water's going to come in first, and then we can bounce, you know, up and, and just keep riding the tide up. And then I don't know whether it was Chris or me or a combination of it. We kind of had the epiphany that while we were looking at what period of the tide we wanted to be on, what we really needed to be looking at was what was the water level that we wanted. And that just meant that we moved within that tide. You know, we didn't necessarily want the last two hours of that tide. We wanted, you know, the last three hours of the tide because that's when it passed through the window of you know point four down to point two or what whatever the mm-hmm. criteria was so once we kind of dialed that in that final day that we were fishing um fucking memo went out bonefish like vaporized we we really couldn't buy even seeing a bonefish and we we were places where we had the right amount of water. Everything was good. We saw a few, you know, pushing across yeah. the flat, but not they nowhere near moving. the boat. Yeah. yeah, they were moving. They weren't near the boat. But um, I'm I'm up front and I see a tail. I'm like, I think that was a permit. Chris was like, not shark. I was like, no, it's a fucking permit. And he's, all right, well, let's go look. Sure enough, it was a permit. And um, I made a cast and was short picked it up showed the fly to the permit permit did not like the fly um or did not like how larry right served him the dinner and off he went so we finished all the way to the edge got to the channel and we crossed the channel and we went across the channel um I said, hey, let's take a break for a second. I got like half of a sandwich I want to eat, want to drink some water. And I was sitting more on the gunnel, and Chris was sitting in the back of the cockpit. And we're eating, drinking, talking. There's like a huge splash, like literally like 10 feet behind my back. And I like turn around, I was like, what was that? Chris like, I don't know, I didn't see it. And he's like, I heard it, but I didn't see it. And then like a minute later, 35 feet 40 feet off the bow of the boat fucking permit tail comes back up fucking permit had swam up basically saw the boat spooked off the boat yeah but went out and immediately started tailing now we're running the uh poor boy power pole at this point Mm -hmm. we've got the motor down jammed in the sand jammed in the sand because we're sitting there eating lunch and i'm like what the fuck 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 get um you know like you know, are you yeah. quiet, 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 get the rod out, get the rod out. And Chris is like, I'm going to have to trim the motor. I'm like, no, 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 don't yeah. trim the motor up. Don't trim the motor up. So I hopped out and I waited. And like, I start heading down. And of course the fish had tailed it like, you know, 30 yards out or whatever. And, and I see it now it's gone. So I'm like, fuck, I stop. And I'm like, watch and watch, watch. Boom. There he is again. He's a little bit further. So I start heading towards him. And I'm stripping line out, you know, getting all set up. And just every time I would walk, the motherfucker would get further away. But then 
he turned and started coming back to me. And I made a great cast. Fly lands. Long, slow strip. Fish fucking gets heated up following the fly. Gets up to the fly. And says, mm-mm, don't like it. Off. And, like, literally did, like, the... Um, Maverick flyby of the tower right mm-hmm. past me. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> fin up, finger up. Right. Um, just to show you that. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to, you know. I knew it was you. And, and I, was, I was at sack level. Mm-hmm. So that fish, you know, was a fairly decent sized fish to be, you know, tail out, you know. Mm-hmm. I, oh, yeah. I, I'm not a short guy, but I was about sack level in the water. Sack's long. Yeah. Yeah. And uh <laughs> the uh that that was pretty much the culmination of like any shots that we had. But uh you know, four days. We spent four four good solid days. Well, it's pretty special for you guys to come out of like nowhere. Yeah. I mean and and get any shots at permit. Yeah. So it you usually know, takes a little while to dial in. And that and that was the that was the cool part of it is like, you know, we kinda put some of the pieces of the puzzle together. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking about how my true love is DIY. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Johan uh, knew that we were in town. And Johan texted a couple of different times mm-hmm. offering, hey, guys, you know, I'm off on Monday if you want to go. And it would have been it would have definitely been the easy button. And I know Johan's dialed in mm-hmm. and Johan could have put us on fish. But Chris and I were like, no, damn it. We want to do this on yeah. our own, you know? And, and you know, I really appreciate Johan making that offer. But it meant more to us to just get close yeah. uh, on our own than to, you know, be taken. And, and you know, because yeah. Johan could have taken us places and we still wouldn't have understood why we were there. Now we have an understanding why we're there. Now we're like chewing I do waiting like, to go back i do like a little like i'm not too proud for like intel yeah i like some intel like if like you know somebody that lived there once lived there once fished there still fishes there you can be like yo this is the idea for the weekend yeah does it sound really dumb am i am i yeah, warm yeah, am yeah, I, yeah. you know if i got yeah. the right idea yeah and they're like you know what maybe that one hasn't been very hot. Like the last couple of years, it fell off. There's right. no grass there anymore. Go, this other one's thicker. So do right. the same thing you were thinking, but over here. So I get back, and uh, I told Mike Allen, mm-hmm. um, who's mm-hmm. caught over 100 permit on fly, and I, I said, you know, I had two really good shots at permit. Showed two, had two occasions where I saw a permit. Showed both permit my fly. One just didn't like it at all. The other actually followed it, like got hot on it. And he was like, summertime fish, summertime permit. This is Mike's opinion. Yeah. And hell, he's caught a lot more permit than I'd ever, you know. He said, bonefish strip. Like, strip, 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 strip. You know, like, little bump, 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 not mm-hmm. the long slow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, I did long, slow strip. Mm-hmm. You know. But who knows? You know. Right. That's that's permit number one and permit number two that I've tried to feed. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, good time. Um and then um, some of the nuance of um, our trip that I'll share is 
Oh, what is it? Oh. Marker 56 um, Market, I want to say. or not, No, it's can't be 56 that close to... Oh, shit. I had a... There's, there's a little market. Um, if you come out of some... If you come out of the parking lot of Sugarloaf Lodge going towards Key West, you go down it's five miles or less um, on the left hand on the ocean side. There's a little marketplace. Um, Larry's from Tennessee, so five miles means anywhere between 15 and 50 miles. <laughs> you go 50 <laughs> miles. Yeah. South of the seven? No. No, okay. no it's further than that. Um, but uh, that little, it's it's got a deli. And, oh. man, the way we are introduced to it is they actually make subs with boar's head meats and cheeses and put them in a Ziploc bag and inside the Ziploc bag is a second Ziploc bag Mm -hmm. with those are cooler sandwiches with with um, lettuce and tomato and everything in it and they sell those at the marina at Sugarloaf so like that's what we like when we would get up in the morning go put rods in the boat idle over to the marina we buy a couple sandwiches throw them in the fucking cooler so super super good sandwiches boat sandwiches so on the way out of town uh when we were coming back we figured out they also make breakfast so we went up there and had breakfast and uh, between that place keeping us alive for lunches and then we did fish camp over on geiger for dinner uh three out of the four nights or four out of the five nights that we were there um, just a fantastic trip. Mm. Um, that is a fun. banner trip. Yeah. I mean, I guess real good timing too, because you had kids are back in school. Yeah, right. So you don't have like tons of traffic. And I would be remiss if I did not also report that um, on the way down we stopped in Marathon at the new uh, Seven Mile mm-hmm. Fly Shop. Oh right. And kudos to the staff at Seven Mile. Um, I've been on record here on the podcast complaining about, mm-hmm. um, kind of getting the cold shoulder, getting ignored yeah. up in Isla Mirada when you yes. walk into the fly okay. shop mm-hmm. and seven mile the dumpster. The Last time I was there, they actually loaded me into a garbage can and just put me in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> seven mile was actually quite a few people in there. Everybody was hanging out, talking, bullshitting. It was a wonderful experience. Enjoyed it. Um, bought some swag while we were in there. Yeah. Dropped some dropped some cash. And uh, highly recommend if you're making it at least to the middle keys or beyond, stop in there and say howdy to the folks working there. Good bunch of good bunch of folks for sure. So I know that there was a was grand opening or a. Some kind of demo days or whatever they yeah, did there, and everybody not, went not down. Not too long ago. Yeah. I and know, everybody uh, enjoyed themselves. Brian had his skiff down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably like a month and a half, six weeks ago or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But that, that, uh, Everybody said it was, yeah. it was, it was shit, awesome. This is stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, very, very fun trip. Um, that's actually the first trip. Um, you know, the Tennessee trip. And the, the you know the little real quick trout 
you know, excursion was just that. It was just right. an excursion while I was up there doing stuff around the farm. Um, but this was like the first legit, hey, let's go fish um, mm-hmm. since I got the uh, cancer diagnosis back in uh, the end of uh, 2020, uh, yeah. August 2020. And, uh, you know, chemo, radiation, and all that. And finally feeling good enough to go do something like that. And to have a good trip was uh, awesome, and uh, well, to have enough time too. I mean, yeah. running back and forth uh, there, you couldn't do anything. Else. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have the no. time or the effort or the energy or whatever. But uh, I'm going to use that as a segue to say that uh, September is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I've I've never claimed to be an influencer never wished or wanted to be an influencer, but I, I do today. Um, I do want to say that if you got a brother, a cousin, a dad, an uncle, whoever that significant male influence is in your life, um, make sure that they're aware of getting tested um, and, and taking care of themselves when it comes to prostate. Um, I think it's earlier than people think too, right? Isn't it about well, 35, 40 years old? Well, something like that? you used to be around 40, 45, 50, you know, ish yeah. around that, that, you know, time just depends on your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the, here's the thing. Um, the first indication that you may or may not have a problem is going to show up in, in a simple blood test for your PSA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you do get some kind of abnormal PSA result in a blood test, mm-hmm. don't do what I did and ignore it. <laughs> Seriously. Or, that, yeah. or, or, what I, and, or what I did. Or what I did, like, and just sleep on the getting, going, getting shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever. Same thing. It's like, ah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Because um, here's, here's, you know, my cancer story. Um, by the time I... My stubborn ass, you know, you, you, you said something just a minute ago, mm-hmm. you know, about being from the South. It could be, you know, five miles, 50 miles, yeah. whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of us, um, you know, take pride in being able to be like, well, I ain't seen a doctor in years. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did see the doctor and the doctor was like, you need to go see a urologist. Uh, I was like, mm, okay. And I found a reason not to go. And the reason I didn't want to go was the only way to check to see if there's a problem with your prostate is what they call the DRE, the digital rectal exam. Oh yeah. And uh, sorry to talk about this on the podcast, right. fellas, but it's a you finger know, in your butt, guys. it's the old <laughs> finger. It's the it's the it's the one time where you want to make sure that mm-hmm. there's not two hands on your shoulder. <laughs> During the test, <laughs> but uh, you know, if the, the doctor walks in carrying two beers and a dozen donuts, yeah, you got problems. You got problems. <laughs> but um, had I taken my physician's advice initially, there's a good chance that I would be in a better place. Uh, better place meaning I don't have the opportunity of having my cancer cured. Um, I'm managing the cancer pretty well right now, but, uh, you know, 
there's tons of men that will get prostate cancer in their life and will be cured of prostate cancer if they catch it early enough. Um, if you're a dumbass like me and ignore it, then you can get yourself in a situation where it's always going to be an issue and that's what you're going to deal with till you're gone. What do they call it? It's a palliative type care or something like that. It's just like a... Well, it's, they can make you pretty much good. You're pretty much all right. Well, palliative yeah, cares. Palliative's like cares when you're at the, the end. end. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah. Different word. Yeah. Wrong it's one. Like, yeah, but it's like a... It, it's, yeah. Yeah, they're basically... Palliative making and... Making you comfortable until you die. Right, right. Yeah. There's one where it's like, you know, it's... You're Hospice right. and palliative is the same thing. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. No, um, no, no what, for, yeah. what, what you're talking, you know, maintenance. It's, it's like you have to maintain. Well, so care. you know, at, at this point for me, um, you know, I've I've gone through um, chemo, radiation. I, I'm taking some medication, and I'm down to the lowest level of PSA I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since being diagnosed with having, you know, abnormal PSA. And uh, that means that uh, I, I want to say nadir is the word that they use, which is they've they've beat the cancer down, beat the cancer back to a point where it's not aggressively growing, right. but it's still present. And, it, and it's going it's to kind of dormant. It's going to. Yeah, it's not remission. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very careful to let me know that they would not be able to take my cancer into remission. In other words, it's not going to disappear. Right. And then it's going to be, we're going to take it to the lowest level we possibly can and then maintain that level as long as we can. But there's going to come a point where it's going to rear its ugly head again and options for treatment are going to be very limited and then, then it's going to be that time where it's like, all right, let's get the medical weed out. Let's, right, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, cause you know, Larry's got one foot in the grave, right. which is not the case right now, but we don't know when that's coming. Um, so please allow me to influence you. Talk to your doctor. If you're anywhere between 45, 50 years old. If you've if if you're over fifty and you haven't had you know some kind of prostate screening, mm-hmm. get out there and get it. Any family family history. history oh, is that's important. what it gets earlier. To know yeah, your family yep. history. Right. That is what Huge. my husband in the grave mm-hmm. was yeah. not knowing his family history. Know your family history. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And then what Larry said about. As soon as that red flag, whether it's you feel bad, it could be something like you feel bad, or in the case of us, it was I turned to John and said, you know, we use the term condition in fisheries, you know, Mm -hmm. the condition of of a fish, if she's healthy and fat, and I I don't know, we were laying in bed, and he didn't want to get up and go fishing on the weekends anymore. This just kind of happened slowly over time, but I turned and I looked at John and I said, you know, your condition is is poor mm-hmm. and of course he bristled and got angry with me and snapped at me listen to your significant other if he or she says you just look different yeah because what are you trying to do make his life worse heck now mm-hmm. right because you guys are tough and can play through a lot mm-hmm. you can play through a lot but 
don't play through a lot. Listen yeah. to yeah. your body. That's the best listen advice I've doctor. got is so listen to your fucking on. doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can I can rewind and tell you that when I heard it, my, my father had, had prostate cancer um, and was successfully treated. And when I was told that my PSA number was whatever it was the first time, and they're like, you know, you should probably go see a urologist, make sure, you know, especially with your family history. And I was like, yeah, 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 I will, I will. And I found plenty of excuses why I didn't need to go. Mm-hmm. Even though in the back of my mind, I knew what it was. I knew, and I just wasn't ready to fucking deal with it. Um, fast forward, because I was refusing to do the right thing for my own health, I got to a point where I was having problems going pee. And when I did go pee, I couldn't pee long enough to really, you know, void my bladder. And you, you guys, it's funny. Mm-hmm. We is were doing prostate cancer. Is it a tumor in there? No, it's just the well, the prostate itself is growing um, because it's the, the the cancer cells within it are causing it to get bigger, and your urethra mm-hmm. passes through the middle of it, mm-hmm. so it gets occluded. Um, you guys probably didn't notice it, but there was a point when we would be doing podcasts. I was getting up and going to the bathroom all the fucking time. You yeah. guys didn't notice it. In hindsight, you notice it when you think about yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like. And I would go in there and it would take forever to start. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go very long. And I'd be like, fuck, okay. And I'd come back and I, I dialed way back on drinking beer. Yeah. Because I was like, fuck, if I'm drinking beer, this is going to kill me. I think actually it was like, there was definitely a, don't get old. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, like a comment like, made, yeah, right? Taking leaks on like the bush out back, like, yeah. <laughs> like there goes Larry again to take like a, a leak. Don't get old, man. This sucks. Yeah, and you're like okay, like that's enough yeah. for me. Like the sad the- thing was was that right before John was diagnosed with colon cancer, John always said because he was a medic in the Air Force, basically worked in epidemiology, but knew a lot of a lot of other stuff. But he always said that that. If you die in your 50s, it's going to be genetics that gets you. Right. Genetics are going to kill you. And right before he was diagnosed, he would have been like roughly 58 years old then. He turned to me and said, and I'll never forget this, um, honey, I'm, I, I've almost made it out of the danger zone. I've, I've almost made it. And right. had he known, he did not, while he was in the military, his father got colon cancer and stage one and the doctors took care of it and john never knew that that happened no one ever told him Mm -hmm. so the military just kept giving him the poop card instead of a real colonoscopy and so when he started having problems with bleeding and stuff he attributed that to um hemorrhoids Mm -hmm. and um you know all these red flags that went up that and he just same as you kind of put it off didn't pursue it didn't listen to his body didn't yep. listen to his wife didn't didn't pursue hard his family history yeah and you know i i can remember um my grandfather had prostate cancer um ultimately took his life um that was when i was in high school he was in his seventies. 
my father was diagnosed at 72 or 73 with prostate cancer. Found it, got it quick. Was able to go in and have the prostate removed. A little bit of uh, radiation follow up, and then he lived another 10 years. And then um, he ended up with uh, cancer of the um, oh something else. Um, but ultimately. Mm-hmm. It was the, the my lineage. The males were living longer and longer, right, right. and I used to always think, "Oh, you know, my grand grandpa, you know, made it to his seventies. My dad made mm-hmm. it to his eighties. Right. And you know what? I probably would have made it to my eighties, at least if if two years ago, three years ago, now I would have just gone to the damn doctor. This damn maintenance care shit, though, is I think probably one of the better. I don't. I don't think it's if you get cancer, they're better at making it go away. I mean, they're pretty fucking good at it. To no, be they are. Honest. But like, there's. I think that like maintenance middle section is way better than it has been. I mean, like leaps and bounds. Well, I can tell you that uh, you know because I've been getting treated at the Mayo Clinic, um, which my, is the shit. So yeah, yeah. My, you know, my diagnosis um, was here locally in. Uh, it it was you know hey you got stage four cancer good luck to you you might be able to find a study that you know might be able to lengthen your life a you little get bit that right. second opinion right away don't do what we did and wait yeah well right i went away. back to my urologist and i was like Dude, <laughs> the guy you sent me to right. um and that was right during the beginning of covid mm-hmm. he was in the same building across the hall and we did a a, a zoom call like he didn't even yeah. come in the in the exam room, and you know it was like the most sterile. Hey, bro, you're dying. Right. That I've ever you know. He should have texted you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like like he's breaking up. Yeah, yeah. Like a thumbs down. Yeah. Emoji, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I immediately went back to the urologist because the original plan was you know based on some imaging and and things we thought that we'd caught it early enough that I could just have the prostate removed, do a little bit of um, radiation and I'd be good to go. But then the radiological oncologist that was like, no bro, you're stage four. It's metastasized. Mm. Good luck to you. Um, I went back after seeing him and my urologist, I was like, you know, he didn't give me much information other than like, talked a whole bunch of numbers threw those at me. He said, you know, you're fucked and good luck. Go Google. You might be able to Google something. And he was like, dude, just, I was going to send you to Mayo for the procedure. He goes, let's just forget what, whatever he said to you, forget it. He goes, I'm going to send you to Mayo for a complete workup and we'll start over that they're the best in the business. So I went up there and literally started from, you know, scratch. And when I met with the oncologist, she immediately was like, look, I have seen more advances in our ability to treat patients, even like you that has, you know, advanced disease Mm -hmm. that in the last five years, then I, you know, if, if you'd come in and presented this way five years ago, you, you know, you wouldn't have the same life expectancy that I see for you 
right now. And she's like, I truly believe what we're going to be able to do through, you know, treating you. Um, well, you're so in, in our world with ITFDs and shit, shit doesn't change that quick. It's a new color. You know what I mean? In that world, you're going to a computer shop or a cell phone shop or something like that where the technology and the shit changes so fast. Like, you better get there quick or it'll change again. So, like she was saying, five years, five years and shit. Right. You know what I mean? Well, For, like, with, the with, diagnosis to change, you know, to, like, something be... like prostate cancer, colon cancer, the ones that are... This is... I, should, I hate saying it this way, but they'll say a common form of cancer. Right. A lot of research dollars get thrown at those yes. at those common cancers. So the advances, like you said, happen very yeah. fast. Mm-hmm. In it. So The only thing slowing down a lot of the treatment is the red tape mm-hmm. um, of getting approvals right. from the right. FDA. The FDA um, yep. I'm on a medication right now. There's only they only had two choices of approved medication um, that I could get on, and uh, thankfully my insurance company approved it. But I mean, I'm not even going to say how much it costs on on air. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it's incredibly expensive, mm-hmm. um, and that's what took me to this really, really very, very, very low PSA number. And that's what we're hoping maintains Mm -hmm. me for a few more years because all of my oncologists up there are saying, if we can get you another four to five years out, we really, really believe there's probably going to be some type of almost cure. Like we might be able to get you to remove that. It's moving that fast. The iPhone prostate 12 will be out and then the 13 and the 14. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of shit. There's that cool technology with the nanobots. Oh, well, I was about to tell you. There's, they actually, he was telling me, um, what I've seen several, here's the cool thing about the Mayo is at any given moment, you know, I've got a team of doctors that are working on my case and each and every one of them in real time can see every one. Like there's no waiting for your charts to get sent over. Right. It's all centrally located. Mm-hmm. They all have access mm-hmm. to it. But so I was talking to one of my doctors on one of my visits and, you know, he was telling me, look, there's this awesome study, this awesome drug that's being pursued in Australia and he goes and the good news about that is if Australia approves it typically the US will almost take almost everything from their study yeah you know, their approvals and it gets approved pretty fast yeah. here he said it's the craziest thing he said it's actually like a uh, hunter killer type almost like a bot that goes in and knows and can right. identify like cancer cells signature, and it, like, it goes after just, yeah. it's like very selective and it just goes and kills cancer cells on the cellular level. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if, if that come, if, if that really mm-hmm. wor- is working like they think it's working and that's coming next, it's going to be fucking game yeah. changer. Mm-hmm. But that's so crazy though, enough about me. Listen, I can't say it enough. Mm-hmm. Make sure your brother, your dad, your uncle, your grandfather, that man in your life gets out, gets tested, and fucking does something about it. I've got a friend right now that I've got 
two different people that listen to this show mm-hmm. that have reached out and said, hey, what were your symptoms? And I said, you know, having trouble going, you know, and they're like, that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm like, have you been to the doctor and had a PSA test? What's that? And explain it to them. No, I haven't. Go. Right. They went. They found out that their PSA level was abnormal and they're getting treatment. The other one is I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Right. I called back a week later and said, bro, you promised me you'd go. Did you go? Well, not yet. Fucker, get Mm -hmm. to the damn doctor. Right. Or you're going to be telling the same story I'm Mm -hmm. telling, which is I waited too long and now I know how my ticket's going to be punched. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so. And this, and this can be, this can be, you can wheel this all the way back to just kind of listen to yourself. In my situation in this last month, we were working on some stuff with a, a friend of mine from out of town was here. So we're mm-hmm. making the most of it. Right. And like, I got a scratchy throat and I was like, like it, there must be too much, I don't know, chemicals or whatever. You Dust. Know, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Fine, 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 fine. I think did like, you know, whatever it was, like Friday night, Saturday, you know, Saturday all the way into Saturday night late, Friday all the way into Friday night late, and then ended up absolutely like Sunday waking up like smashed by the train. And I'm like, maybe it wouldn't have been that bad if I was like, it's Friday, or if he wasn't in town, or like, right. you know, you're like listening to your body a little bit. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, see, so, you know, scratchy throat and like a little bit of headache. I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about it. I don't give a shit. Right. We're, we got to get some done. We gotta, you know, so you stop listening to yourself, and that's where you got to be like, well, hey, it's man, the whole it thing. I don't get, you know, I haven't go, been yeah. to the doctor in years. Yeah. I don't oh, need yeah. to go to the doctor. It's just a cold, <laughs> or I don't need to do it. something. I mean, I was, I was going to the fucking extent I was rationalizing it to myself. Um, even though I knew, I fucking knew, I was like, maybe, you know, I've had a hernia before, like 10 years ago. Maybe, maybe that's what's, maybe I've got, like, maybe that hernia is making this a problem. You know, I, I full well knew Yeah. I was taking the, the one data set that I had that I should have been listening to. I was sitting at the side oh, yeah. Yeah. and trying to find anything else to be like. I'll just let it ride for a little bit and see if it gets better. Right. Yeah. And then when it finally get, I mean, I finally went in and I was like, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe I've got like a UTI or something. Yeah. And they, you know, well, here, go piss in this cup. No, you don't have a UTI. Um, have you been to a urologist lately? Uh, you know, and I was like, well, you know, I had a PSA level. Of, and they're like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? Yeah. Get to the fucking doctor. And I was like, all right, time to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, enough enough of that. Yeah, enough of that. Absolutely. So, uh, you've got some good uh, skiffy news. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been like I was just saying. I was been working with a couple friends of mine over the last uh, while. Yeah, couple couple months. I guess, I would guess. Um, to help develop uh, the simple skiff for with them, yeah, and they're pretty much, uh, I'd say, kind of on their own um, at this point. They're you know still kind of doing some development and stuff like that. Uh, so they're uh, they're be on the market. The 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 kit hulls are are out. Um, 
Yeah, I've actually been served ads on uh, mm-hmm. on Instagram. Oh, good. Yeah, nice. Good for them. Um, pretty popular so far. Everything's going pretty good, and uh, there's definitely a uh, wait, little bit of a wait and see as far as the the like complete boats are concerned. Still a little bit of development to do, but right, it's all pretty exciting stuff. I mean, they look good. Um, so I don't know. Next couple weeks. We'll, we'll have more news. Heck yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little lengthy, but fun process for sure. Kind of a, it's it's a 16 footer, right? 16 footer, pretty much a whip ray. Yep. Um, so it's a new conchfish, the Mark, conchfish mm-hmm. Mark II. Right. So it's based on that design with Chris Morjohn. So, so what, what would be the change, what were the significant changes between like, you know, from the original to the point two or version two? Um... Very little, just fine, fine, fine details. I think they made like the radius on the transom a little, little bit. A little bit of a different transium, yeah. transom radius and a little breakwater on the side. Um, other than that, maybe a little bit of strakey stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's just all really yeah. kind of fine, fine, fine details. So it's a nice little dinghy. Yeah, perfect. So uh, speaking of dinghies. Mm-hmm. We've got this thing coming up called the uh, Dingy Derby and Poker Run on uh, October 2nd Yep. Uh, to benefit Marine Discovery Center, specifically the conservation education programming at MDC. Yep. Um, as we were talking about earlier with your past employment uh, being very dependent on grants, um, the restoration conservation education department at MDC MDC is a nonprofit and that specific wing of their nonprofit is 100% year to year dependent on grants. Mm -hmm. So this is the third year that um, we have done our best to raise funds to support their mission because just like you identified crystal one of the most important things that we can do is get a hold of the next generation and make water quality environmental quality part of the fabric of that generation those kids that are growing up you know they become part it's it's what they care about what, right get your kids out there yeah get them, get them touching fish get them Get them, get them out there in the mud. Let them get dirty. Let them get wet. Yep. Let them handle a fish. Let them stick their hands in the bait well. Cast net up some bait. To hell with fly fishing. Cast net up bait. Stick it in a bucket. Let them play with it. Mm-hmm. Start them young. So. Keep them caring about it. Because if we don't care about it, we're at that point now where the needle could easily swing totally the wrong way yeah we, it's critical now it's it's i'm, I'm I, you know i listen to all these podcasts i just love them and um everybody's addressing it now all the all the podcasts are addressing it, it it's it's important everybody realizes that the message is important so registration is open for the dinghy derby uh you can find the dinghy derby page on taylortrash.com um there's an faq 
Um, there's also a map uh, feature and for all the stops uh, for the poker run. And for some of you who may not have been listening and be part of the show that are kind of like, I've heard of the Dingy Derby, I've heard you guys talking about it. It's really simple. Um, it's a full-on, the first, well, first and second one. The first one with the actual derby, on the, mm-hmm. on the water derby, was an absolute 100%, like, I don't know how to explain like, just a full banger. Yeah, it was a yeah, blast. It's yeah. awesome. And that's what we're uh, anticipating pulling off this year. And, and all it is, it's real simple. It's a day on the water with all your friends. Um, you're going to check in at five different locations. The fifth location being a sandbar, and that's the end of the poker run. Um, at each one of the locations, you blind draw. You reach into a bucket, or you know, we'll reach into the bucket for you and hand you a chip. All the chips are different colors. There's uh, varying colors of chips. Those chips have a value. We don't disclose the value to anybody until the end. And at the end, we have you count up or you turn in your chips and we'll count them up for you. Whoever ends up with the highest score wins the poker run. What that means is $30 is the registration fee. $15 of the registration fee gets taken off the top. That becomes a donation to Marine Discovery Center. $15 goes into the pot. So the more people that participate, the bigger the pot becomes, and it's a winner-take-all. One person will take home cash at the end of the Dingy Derby poker run. Um, Last year, which was an anomaly due to COVID and then due to a shitty weather forecast. smashed that day, yeah. um, I can't remember. What was the total of the... um, I think it was... Somewhere right around a a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, it was pretty high. Um, was was the what the winner took home? Um, so this year, I think the first year, the first like year, seven hundred, yeah, yeah, yeah. seven hundred. And then I don't remember who it was now, which is awful uh, to me. I don't remember. So I think they just gave it back though. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, and right to the thing, which is which is awesome. So we doubled up. He he just re-registered for good, year three. Good, good, yeah. good. I yeah. recognize yeah. his name yeah. when he yeah, registered. Everybody out there in podcast land, support the damn dingy derby. Yeah, do it. It sounds like so much fun. It's an absolute blast. Right. Money, 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 money. Right. Party on a sandbar. Mm-hmm. We do. You we can't do. Miss. We yeah, do raffling. How, how can you it's not a win, win, it's all the win. Everybody it's, out there, I don't care if you're a Hell's Bay captains for clean water <laughs> you bite your tongue no. <laughs> if you're you know or the recreational person yeah. who doesn't even fish oh we had, still have a boat what did we have um that this. power drifter it's thing like the first fun. year yeah, there was like a power drifter from yeah, like from actual drift boat that somebody trailered well, down yeah yeah so we don't yeah have cool it was so cool like this yeah where i'm yeah. from over so, on the west coast of florida i live in tarpon springs i work in Clearwater. I fish mm-hmm. in Tampa Bay. <laughs> Still smell like me over there? We <laughs> don't have fun things like the dinghy derby. I would be so... That's that was the well, original well, home of Carl's so, so the, it, it, it gets even better, Crystal. We're having the thingy before the dinghy. And that's on October 1st. That's Friday evening from right. 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So at Think Marine Discovery Center tank. on their campus, we're going to be hosting <laughs> what's basically a big social... Um, where it's going to be BYOB, 
if you'd like to bring beer and you can handle your liquor and stay, you know, within reason, <laughs> please do. Um, Peterson's Barbecue has uh, agreed to show up and serve plate barbecue meals. Um, 100% of the proceeds of the sale of the barbecue, they are donating to the Dingy Derby um, aggregate um, donation. We're also going to be doing our Dingy Derby raffle on the evening of the thingy before the dinghy. Right now, as it sits, um, we have an amazing lineup of prizes. Um, Yeti has come through huge again this year. Fish Pond has come through huge. Flyman is sending stuff. Um, man, I, I walked out of the house without the list. It, we, we, we're, it, it's our to prize the list is like somewhere, I think we're at like, 56 to 7 like 56 to 65 somewhere in there individual tickets that are going to be drawn right. and and prize packs and it was painful like so year 2 for the cast and crew yes painful to like watch yes because it was like I want to win that. Yeah, I want yeah. to win that. I'd like that. I'd like that. There wasn't very many items where I'm like, man, I could take it or leave it. It was like, oh, dude, I really wanted one of those. Oh, dude, I really right. wanted one of those. Oh, dude, I'm going to go buy one of those tomorrow. Like, so if you have any question about how good the raffle is, go to our Instagram, go to our profile, and we have the story highlights. Mm-hmm. Hit the highlights for Derby prizes and we've introduced and talked about each and every company that has offered to support us by donating a prize. It's anything from product to guided trips, uh, from the Everglades all the way up here to Mosquito Lagoon. There's artwork. Um, it's just phenomenal at this point. It's, it's only getting better. Uh, I know I've got, three or four different things that are coming in this week that we haven't even announced yet. I just wait till they come in before we do any announcing. Um, in it addition was, to, in addition to the, to the raffle and having a barbecue dinner, uh, we're going to have an actual ice cream truck. That's going to be there no too. Way. Yeah. Is, it the, is the old fashioned one? No, no, no. It's, um, Oh, I just, I just, I just saw it. Oh, your story I, or something. Um, Oh gosh. Starts with an N. No, it's uh, Queen of the Beach that ice cream, right. something like that. And then uh, we're also looking for if anybody knows somebody, it could be a listener that would like to maybe bring a guitar and like do like the first hour of the event, just uh, like play a set, mm-hmm. just for some entertainment. We we'd love to have somebody that would be willing to do that. Um, Maybe yeah, if there's maybe a couple people just pop up like open mic up there. Yeah, and go back and forth absolutely. Or whatever. Um, another we're we're gonna we're, don't forget Carl's yeah. Carl's uh, dusty, dusty to crusty, crusty sale. Crusty. So we've got I don't know countless at this point, just stuff, yeah. rods, reels, lines, you know, like whatever, um, gear that's been hanging around in people's garages doesn't suit them, but maybe would suit you or you know whatever so that'll all be there so i'm gonna have i'm gonna be cutting deals 
we're cutting deals with people. 100% of the sale of any of those items goes right to the donation pile. Um, And we're also going to have vendors this year. And I want to say we're up to something like seven or eight Mm -hmm. uh, different vendors that are going to be there, anywhere from a couple of nonprofits that uh, have similar missions that are environmentally conservation-based that are going to be there. We've got several artists that are going to be there. Um, We've got... But the boat guys. uh, We're going to have some... Drake Boat Works. I I, I, I believe. I believe so. Hopefully. I haven't heard officially from any of the boat guys yet. But But that was a cool feature. I liked that a lot last year. I believe right now we have three, maybe it might be up to four soon. uh, Skiffs that will be there that you'll be able to see. Um, so it's going to be kind of like, a, you know, <laughs> just a, a festival type right. atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to work with Marine Discovery Center. Uh, certainly we believe that Friday evening is going to be family friendly. We're going to see if they have any kid friendly events that they can help us with just to keep the kids busy. Um, so, yeah, we're still putting it together, but it is going to be a fucking mm-hmm. blast. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're from semi-local ish and haven't really messed with like New Smyrna and where the Marine Discovery Center is, super cool location. It's on the water. There's yep. there's you know stuff to do on the way in. Yep. If you want to you know grab a beer on the way out or whatever, it's like it's worth the trip just yeah. based on and the, the area is super the cool too. Price so. of admission for the thingy before the dinghy is absolutely zero mm-hmm. um that will allow you to buy tons of dusty to crusty r- dusty to crusty items and or mm-hmm. uh raffle prize tickets and uh which was a total hit people love a raffle and oh my god it was a, we were just it was awesome yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's i'm telling you we've yeah i mean fish pond sent almost a thousand dollars worth of product yeah yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um we've got new fly rods we've got new fly reels we've got um you know yeti coolers we've got you know boat bags okay, I just stop. it's I just totally insane i know i know i know i know i live no you're st- work in the wrong place you're st- i need to be over here but you're still you're not like one of us where we're at we cannot play yeah that's the hard we get part. to watch right. it all right Walk True. away, uh-huh. but it's awesome. Yeah, it's like a love. We get the pleasure. So it's like fun. Christmas. Oh my we gosh! It, 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 it really it like the the joy of the first year um, that we did it. Um, th- this is the coolest story ever. Uh, it was one of Will David's mm-hmm. um, buddies. He had, he had a GNU, and we get to the portion where we're doing the raffle. And I can't remember what he won first, but he won a guided trip was yeah. one of the first things yeah. that he won. And he was like so stoked. And then he won a fly rod. And the fly rod that he won was a fly rod that a listener had said, hey, this is brand new. It's been in my closet. I'm never going to use it. Here, use it as a raffle prize. And when the kid got it, he was like, he kind of mumbly something. And I was like, what, what was that? And he was like, dude, this is crazy. This, this went from being the worst day of my life to the best day of my life. And I'm like, whoa, what are you talking about? 
between like stop two and three, let's call it, while he's running, his only fly rod and reel that he owned in his little boat jostled and fell out, and he lost it. Like complete, like he's gets to stop three and looks down. And is like, where's my rod and reel? Gone. But then he makes it to the raffle and wins. He ultimately won two fly rods, a new fly reel, and a guided trip. And I think a fly box with flies. Yeah. Like, like just killed it. Go. And, and then, so, last year, um, at the second dinghy derby, there was some really smart folks that kind of, like, cruised in and, like, did an assessment of what they wanted, and they looked at how many people were there, and they bought probably two hundred dollars or two hundred and fifty dollars worth raffle tickets most everybody's buying you know 40 20 40 60 bucks worth of tickets these this guy came in and was like i can fucking throw 250 bucks at this and it's going to a good cause so if i don't win i'm still okay what do they call it like counting cards they like came in like okay there's so many so many people yeah so many so many prizes like bang yeah Yeah. and he won the fuck out of like a lot of stuff (laughs) it was insane Mm -hmm. so um i think this year um is going to be even better so number one register for the dinghy derby uh the dinghy derby poker run on saturday is going to be a blast come out enjoy the evening with us on the thing before the dinghy come hungry because if you buy the barbecue you're making a donation um just come out have a good time check out all the artists and the vendors and the photographers that are going to set up and be showing all their stuff off faqs have FAQs uh, are up. Are up, and they have uh, accommodations. Uh, there are some recommendations yeah, for yeah. places to stay. Yeah, absolutely. In town here, so you know, or just those are a simple Google search or whatever. Yeah. There's, there's from uh, what would you say? V- better values. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. gonna say bad. Ben is gonna be raffling off a trip with the huge fly fisherman again this year. Oh yeah, so, which was a huge hit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Huge hit. Awesome. He did good on that. So, last year we raised just a skosh over twelve thousand. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that was what we were able to donate, and we're hoping that we do that again this year. Of course, we would be pinching ourselves if we can do better. So it takes a village to save a lagoon. So come on out and help us, and have a damn good time. Yeah. So we look forward to seeing everybody out there and. It's kind of fun too going into the third year because it's it's kind of starting to become a little bit of a reunion too. Yeah, buddies you haven't mm-hmm. seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Getting together. Well, and and you know I, I know I posted it as stories. We've actually we we've had a handful of registrations uh, for the Derby, and we've also had a handful of just straight up donations yeah. of hey I'm you know I'm from Ohio I can't come but Lord have mercy here's fifty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's awesome. So, yeah. we're doing good so far. I think we're getting into a little bit better uh, situation as far as because travel last year was just not a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was you know we were super super duper COVID times figuring that out. 
Yep. So we were really kind of in a spot, and there was a lot of people that couldn't come. I mean, we've kind of figured a lot of this stuff out at this time. Yeah. To where it might open people feel a little bit more comfortable. Yes. You know, uh, know what they need to do and and get down here and I mean. I'm just, just looking just forward get COVID to it. like the rest of us. Okay. You know, I, I you know, it, it's been said it best. It's like a family reunion. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to seeing everybody. Um, I was a little bit flat last year um, at the, at, at the Derby. <laughs> I, I didn't have a hair on my head. Mm-hmm. I was in the middle of chemo. So I, I was pretty quiet and kind of worn out the whole day, but uh, I'm ready to I don't mingle know and I hang out this time. I think I got in the sun for like, I don't know. It was just probably walking around there, yeah. chit chatting with people, yeah. but like forever and a day. And man, I I never slept so good that the night after that. Oh, because you're so talking nice. like, oh shit, what's up, man? What's up? What's up? Yeah. What's up? Look, and then know, you got like, that like yeah. warm, mild sunburn. Yeah, sleep. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody else have uh, anything notable from the last month that we've been gone from this, or uh, anything uh, to remind anybody of moving to the future? No, we're gonna get together soon enough yeah i think we're gonna try to we're gonna try to bring you one more podcast before the derby Mm -hmm. uh if we can that's our goal uh we apologize for being a little remiss in uh the big gap there between the two episodes Mm -hmm. but we'll we'll, we promise we'll try to do better as long as carl doesn't have any more infectious diseases we'll let you know (laughs) yeah so uh in the meantime if uh if you're inclined to uh support the show don't forget stay away from women named karen that's right Sharing uh, cheap wine bottles with the homeless population <laughs> they don't know, get right. you COVID. If you're inclined I mean, to uh, want to support the so. show, don't forget that you can go to the website, to the store. Uh, we've got quite a bit of uh, merchandise on there in the form of T-shirts and stickers, uh, hats. That brings me actually a pretty funny show note. Listener DM'd me the other day about... I believe it was some doing year derby stuff and he says how mad do you think my wife will be if i get me my two-year-old and newborn son matching meth lab shirts i was like i don't think she could I be mad yeah. at that right no of no. course not and uh to that end there were several dms that we got about oh my gosh if the uh taylor park casting championship logo was on a t-shirt i'd buy it they're in the store, and yeah. we haven't sold a single one. Ready to go. I know. So, I know. Um, come on, fellas, ladies. Mm-hmm. Order one up. So, with uh, with that little bit of begging like and a reminder that we would uh, always appreciate a rating and review mm-hmm. wherever you listen to the podcast, we want to thank Crystal for taking the time to come up and speaking hang out with us absolutely i am honored i am (laughs) no that's Uh a stretch the Uh oak table right in the taylor park it's been fun i would be here well, you know, I'm hanging around an FWC uh, official here i know know, and 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 normally we're trying to avoid those i'm not even in a foot chase yeah (laughs) so that's cool (laughs) yeah Tell the truth. It's it's been a while coming because mm-hmm. uh, I can remember back in the days where you would uh, fact check for us. Mm-hmm. You'd hear you'd oh, hear, that's right. you'd hear some that's of the nonsense stuff. we'd say, mm-hmm. and you'd send a message and be like, "Y'all were close, but here's right." <laughs> but no cigar. Yeah, mm-hmm. come on, you guys know what movie that's from. 
I don't know. It's from Chris Adams, a fly fishing story. Oh, for God's sake, it's from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, uh, you guys are really movie deficient. Yeah, I don't like. I, I tried that one time. I went into the theater and like it freaked me out the way everybody was shouting shit at the screen. I let everybody <laughs> know everything about. Yeah, I was like, all right, I'm out. There. I walked into a Pentecostal church like that and felt the same one time. Snakes and shit. Got out of there without screaming. Being snake bit. Like, oh, yeah. Eyes rolling <laughs> in the back of their head. Yeah. People shouting screens. Great mm-hmm. time. <laughs> all right. Until next well. Time. Uh, we're just going to stay trashy, and we hope you do too. And we hope to see you in person at Marine Discovery Center on Friday night and on the water on Saturday. Mark it on your calendar, October 1st and 2nd. Be there, be square. Heck yeah. And that's going to put a bow on it. That's episode 68, Taylor Trash Fly Fishing, the most genuine fly fishing podcast on the planet. See ya. There's something happening here. What it is ain't exactly clear. There's a man with a gun over there telling me I got to beware. I think it's time we stop, children. What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Time we stop, children, watch that sound. Everybody look what's going down. There's bad lines being drawn. Nobody's right if everybody's wrong. Young people speaking their minds. Are getting so much resistance from behind. Time we stop, hey, watch that sound. Everybody look what's going down. Stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down.
talking. Crystal? I love to talk. Okay, Carl? I also talk. <laughs> I also breathe air. Yeah. Ben? Uh, air's good. Talking's good. Lots All of right. breathing. And that's what we're going to start.